Weird Science DC Comics podcast will spoil this week's comic books and use very, very naughty words. If either of those things upset you, go listen to NPR. When you eventually grow a pair, don't worry, we will be waiting for you. Thank you and enjoy. Well, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I got to do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! Welcome back, all you weirdos. This is Weird Out Loud, Episode 3. I'm Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And joining us tonight is our digital man, Dan Stransky, who reviews such books as Batman 66, Jiro Kuatu Batmanga, and Flash Season Zero. Say hello, Dan. It's great to be here. How are you guys doing today? Oh, uh, same as always. <laughs> it's good to have you here, Dan. It's great to be here. Yeah, I know that... Uh... We like to try to pretend that we're organized, but of course we're not. So we'll see how this goes. I know we're, we're kind of throwing you into the fire without any, you know, a lot of preparation. But uh, It's good. It's good. So how are you doing, Eric? Oh, man, you know me. I'm the same as always. Yeah. I got the girlfriend out of the house for the weekend, so it's just me and the cat. He keeps the, looking at me. The whole weekend? Yep. That's crazy. Well, I'm and I haven't done shit with him. <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting around. Well, yep. it's weird. Uh, the one thing is, is we're actually done all our books today. Yeah, I know. It really weirded me out when I saw that this afternoon. Yeah, it usually takes us till about Tuesday night at about ten to get done with <laughs> weekly uh, books, and we're done now. And uh, and in fact, I even read a bunch of yours. I didn't read all of them, but I read a bunch. Well, it's sure it helped that I skipped out on work yesterday and did my books instead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I missed you at work. So I guess today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we had been doing a lot of news and kind of bullcrapping at the beginning of here, but we decided we'd kind of change it up and do a little thing, uh, a little list, since we love lists. Well, 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 hold up. Bullcrap, these are my life stories well, we're talking your, about here. Well, that's your stories about uh, <laughs> ladies coming and uh, knocking for rides and uh, I don't hey, know. Russian what other ladies, stories? Russian I don't, ladies. What was the story last week? Um, I don't know. Did we have them? I don't know. Oh, no. It was about me getting fat as hell. Oh, uh, that was the story. That's the story of your life. Yeah, that is the story. Yeah, I have. A, I had a couple stories, but I think we'll have to wait. And uh, <laughs> we'll do uh, our first list. And what we thought, we, since last, I guess last podcast ended up about three hours long. Yeah, it was long. Which is way too long. And I, I think we ended up recording till about two o'clock in the morning, which was awful. And, yeah, and I, I was, uh, I was dead for about four days after that. So <laughs> tonight we figured we're going to try to keep it a little, little bit on around the hour and a half side, but we're going to throw in a list. But because of that, 
we're not going to do a top 10 list. We're not going to do a top five list. We're actually going to do a top one and a half list. Yeah, short and sweet. <laughs> yes. So you want to, what's the topic of the list? Well, since we were talking last week about Batgirls, uh, it was almost a very special episode of Batgirl on uh, last week's issue. Yep. And we ended up talking about that all week and then reminiscing on all our favorite, uh, very special episodes of TV's past. So we figured we'd talk about it today with our uh, top 1.5 episodes of very special episodes. Very special episodes. And if anybody didn't know, a very special episode is one of those times where usually a sitcom kind of gets real. <laughs> it makes it real by kind of dealing with a social issue. Usually, you know, kidnapping, drug use was a big one in the 80s. and Racism. The, racism. And the, the funny joke about it is, is at the beginning, there would usually be a little announcement, a disclaimer, if you will, at the beginning that's the, the following episode of Blossom will be a very special episode, kind of a warning to parents that, you know, what's going on. And also, I remember when I would watch some of these, I would just groan because, oh, no, here we go. And, and usually it would be the, the laugh tracks out. Uh, you don't have any of this. But like I said, we're going to have a one-and-a-half list, top one-and-a-half, which is crazy. But And what we'll do is give an honorable mention. And That's then, the half. Yep, and then we'll give our full-out favorite special episode. And I guess I'll start. And my honorable mention is uh, from the show too Close for Comfort, which I don't know of. Either of you ever watched Too Close for Comfort? No, I have not. Uh, well, what it was, it, uh, Ted Knight, I know of it. Yeah, Ted Knight starred in it. And he Ted Knight was, and Caddyshack. Yep, and he was a cartoonist who did a comic called Cosmic Cow. And I remember, awesome. I, I actually used to watch this show a lot, and I liked it because while he would draw the, the comic... He would have a puppet of Cosmic Cow in his hand and actually have the pencil in Cosmic Cow's mouth while he drew <laughs> so he was it. Was well, like in the said. show, he had two daughters, two, you know, probably about 23, 24 years old. They all live in the apartment, and um, a guy, a tenant in the apartment was named Monroe, and it was uh, played <laughs> by Jim J. Bullock, who ended up going on to uh, Hollywood Squares, and the joke of it is you have the straight west Ted Knight and you had Monroe, who was obviously flamboyantly gay. And the, word, the thing about it, and I think me and Eric talked about it, this was, the, uh, this was the 80s. And it was all played for just goofs and laughs. And unfortunately, this episode, which was called, I believe, One Man, Two Woman... Uh, of course, I lost my notes. So, but in the episode, Monroe gets raped by two women, and the worst part of this whole thing is they don't even take the laugh track out. It is all done for just goofs and laughs. He explains how he was taken by two women. You mean there was more than one of them? Of course. You don't think one person could take out Monroe? He's big and strong and a trained security guard. What was it, Monroe? A street gang? How many were there? Four, five? Two women. <laughs> you were kidnapped by two women? And it's just, it's awful. It's all for laughs. And it probably, I'm telling you, if you look up worst episodes of a sitcom ever, it probably is in there. Uh, so it's kind of a, it, like I said, it's not exactly a very special episode, but it, it, it is. It's special to me. Because uh, it, it is pretty bad. But that's my pick for honorable mention. And uh, next we'll go to you, Dan. 
Uh, for me, mine was actually from an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And it was in season four, they did an episode called Papa's Got a Brand New Excuse, which was where Will's father, who had abandoned his family, tried to come back into his life. Mm-hmm. And for the bulk of the episode, it seems like everything's going to be okay until his father packs up and leaves again. And at the end of this episode, there's just this moment where Will Smith takes a minute to reflect everything he's learned about being a parent from what his father's done so he knows what not to do. And then he just takes that moment to question, why doesn't my father want me? And he just completely breaks down. And him and Uncle Phil have this beautiful moment together where you come to realize that Uncle Phil really does think of him like one of his kids. And on the flip side, Will Smith looks at him as the father figure in his life. I need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Now, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. And I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? Uh, it's funny because when me and Eric were talking about the doing this list, we both had uh, two Fresh Prince episodes that we, we talk about a lot. And I guess, Eric, which one did you went back and watched the one? Yeah, I was watching the one where uh, Will is on speed and he uh, it's, a, it's a school dance. And Carlton wants to get some vitamin E out of his locker because <laughs> he thinks he's going to you know, get rid of his zits right away. And ends up taking the speed instead and going to the hospital. And uh, I remember we talk about this episode all the time, and we always think that Uncle Phil gets so angry at Will, like he it 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 was the dark Doctor uh, Phil, the the uh, dark Uncle <laughs> Phil. And then when you went back, you were like, it's not really that bad. That was the problem. My memory was so wrong on this because, like we were talking about, I don't know if we just you know used our memories to make this scenario in our heads possible, but. Uncle Phil does not get darker. Like we actually thought that Uncle Phil was like you're not like you're not part of this family. You did this to my son, and then you see it. I mean, like he actually like hugs him, and like it's a very touching moment, and nothing like we thought it was. Well, and then the other one was the one where uh, Carlton gets the gun, <laughs> and he's going to take care of things. That again, Carlton gets that real. was almost my honorable mention. Nice. Yeah, that's that was a almost good one. it. And. In, when have you seen that one recently? Not recently. Because I, what? Why is Will is in the hospital? Correct? Yeah. Is, yeah. I think it was Will and Carlton were out and they got held up at gunpoint, mm-hmm. and then Carlton like freaked out and backed away, and Will wound up getting shot okay, because of that. And what did he get shot in the leg or something? I I can't even remember the. Yeah, arm it was or, somewhere back there. Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, I remember Carlton shows up and gives him the gun, flashes the gun, and then Will freaks <laughs> out. And, yeah, no, Carlton, no. Yeah, Do that, your silly dance. Put the gun down. That's funny, because Fresh Prince did have a bunch of very special episodes. But yeah, I like yours. Well, yeah. like, I listening to Dan there, uh, I was going through a bunch of very special episodes getting ready for this podcast, and I went to, and saw the one that Dan's talking about, and I actually had the same scenario in my life, where my father wasn't around all the time, and he'd come back in periodically. So when I watched this again, like, this week, oh, I really? started welling up like a little girl. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo indeed, but damn, it got me hard with the very special episode. <laughs> Dan, see, Dan comes on the podcast for two seconds. You got you crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Uh, what's yours, Eric? What's your honorable mention? Well, my honorable mention is a very easy one. That's why I kept it as an honorable mention, but it's Saved by the Bell, Season 2, Episode 9, Jesse's Song. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know the one. You know the one. I'm so excited. <clears throat> you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> scared. Come one on, give, give us a little Jesse. I'm so excited. I'm so. I'm so scared. But you Bravo. know the one. Bravo. Jesse's being the honor roll student that she is, can't do her uh, classwork and being uh, Zach's girl band, Sunday, uh, Hot Sunday, without taking uh, caffeine pills. No. The, the thing that got me about that episode was just that <coughs> it, it just didn't seem like Jesse would go that route. And also, they're caffeine pills. It's not like it's right. a, she's that, doing heroin. That is true. <laughs> and really, the best, the, actually, the, the other thing in the episode I love is that, really, isn't it, that's all they sing. I'm so yeah, that's all they say. That's and it. they're going to get sued. Yeah, they're all over the place. They're singing, I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, well, those, those are the honorable mentions. Like I said, we're, uh, those are pretty good. But, yeah, now it gets to our main picks of the very special episode. And we're going to start with you, Dan. Uh, my my uh, main pick for this was All in the Family. It was a two-parter called Edith's 50th Birthday. And that was actually in the eighth season. It was like the third or fourth episode. And it was where Edith, it's her 50th birthday. The family's planning something special for her. And a guy comes to the house pretending to be a police investigator. And he tries to rape her right in the living room. What are you going to do? You ain't taking off your clothes, are you? <laughs> yeah. Then I'm gonna take yours off. Wouldn't you like a cup of coffee? <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I got Sanka. Happy birthday. And it's one of those episodes where when at first it's happening, I if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. I tried to find it online to watch and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was like she hit him in the face with a pie or something, and that's what started to make him go away, and the audience started cheering. <laughs> And then after that, it goes downhill where you see the after effects. And she's just of, afraid of to the leave guy the house. Hit with the pie? Or the rape no. kit. <laughs> I like when they showing the pies dripping off the guy's. Ah. Yeah, so it's the after effects of her after what happened. After her trauma. And the family didn't know what had happened at first. And she's afraid to leave the house. Yeah. And it gets to the point where they tell her either you need to go down to the police station and identify this guy so they lock him up. Or there's a chance he's going to do this again. And she winds up being forced to get over her trauma. So. Wow, look at you. You haven't been out of this house in two weeks. No, please, Gloria. I don't care. I don't want to look at that man again. Oh, don't you see? The criminal's supposed to be in jail, not the victim. No, Gloria, get out of my way. I won't do it. Please don't make me. Don't oh, you got to go down and identify him. And does she, does she point the guy out? She does wind up going down there to point him out. How did they find him? Is he just waiting at the police station to be pointed out? Is this... They found the guy uh, with pie on his face. <laughs> they followed the pie trail back yes, to his house. Pie trail. Ooh, pie. But what? yeah, going through this, I was just surprised how many sitcoms had episodes that dealt with this particular Again. subject matter. Oh, it was huge in the 80s and uh, early 90s, man. That's my prime time for television watching. It was all over the place. The weird thing is, is I, I know it's a bad joke, but I'm sure... Now, I used to watch uh, All in the Family with my father. I, I don't think I watched the, this episode when it actually aired, but I'm sure a bunch of people were just like, what is this guy doing with Edith? <laughs> Crying out loud. I know it's awful to say, but Edith. Oh, oh my goodness, Archie! 
for Christ. I mean, I know Sally Struthers was not the best-looking woman either, but holy moly. But, yeah, so I guess I, I, I'm up next, right? So yeah. My, my favorite one, again, we're going from rape and, and drugs to what, and my, you make fun of rape. what my favorite one was is from this, the sitcom What's Happening. Which again, oh, yeah. one of my favorite shows of all time, and it was from season two. It was episode mm-hmm. sixteen. It was I love what's happening. Doobie or not Doobie, and basically, and it's a very special episode. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, the, that's a very misleading the, title. The I know. Well, again, it's <laughs> the ills of bootlegging. Uh, it's so good, <laughs> and basically, Raj rerun and Dwayne, they want to go to see the Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers are in town. They're having a. Um, a charity event, charity concert. So they send Rerun out to get tickets. And, of course, what does Rerun do? He goes out of line and goes get some hamburgers. I was going to say, he pulls a wimpy on him. He probably danced the whole way over there. Got his hamburgers. No, <laughs> Fred Barry, how we miss you. I can explain. You see, that was a long line to get tickets. So to keep up my strength, I stopped at a hamburger stand. So what? Oh, by the time I got back, they were out of tickets. Yeah, they're talking about this in Rob's Diner. And they're all, you know, and it's the standard jokes. Of rerun, oh, rerun, you, you fat fuck. Why'd you get the tickets? And so... So it was a lot more real than I remember. Yes, yeah, this was, it was bleeped out. They got some, uh, there's some shady characters, like, oh, the worst looking guys. Like, in any of these episodes that we talk about, these probably are the worst, like, shadiest looking characters. Hold on. Jim, did they look like the the guy from uh, Adventures and Babysitting at the bus stop? <laughs> they're worse. Now, they have the they have the big coat on. They're, yeah, they're sitting, you got to have the big coat. As reruns talking about not getting the tickets, it's like in the background you see them. They're they're hitting each other and shaking their head. Yeah, we we got them. So after uh, Raj and Re, uh, Raj and Dwayne go off, and Raj is going to try to get tickets by uh, pretending to be a big time interviewer as he works for the school paper. And uh, Dwayne's dad is a member of the city council, so they, they ask him, you go and ask your dad if he can get tickets. Well, in the meantime, Rerun's there. Of course, he's eating again. And these guys come over. Oh, and they're like, people. hey, buddy, you know, I'm friends with the Doobie Brothers, and we're, we want to record a concert tonight, but they're not supposed to know because they get nervous. And if they saw <laughs> me, they'd know that I'm recording. They wouldn't be on their game. So I just want you to do me and the Doobies a favor. I'd like to do the Doobies a favor. What is it? I want you to record the concert. In the meantime, Raj gets an interview with the Doobie Brothers. So they, they head in, they're talking to the Doobie Brothers, and for some reason, I guess Raj was probably uh, babysitting D, and <laughs> D's there, and D is such a bitch to the Doobie Brothers. They're playing, they're going, and she is just insulting them. And don't talk when I'm in the middle of a sentence. She's a bitch to oh everyone. She God. doesn't discriminate. She is the worst. And uh, her big joke is she likes the uh, Jackson 4. And they're like, Jackson 4, Jackson 5. She goes, I don't like one of them. So it's just awful. So they go, they, they, and again, now, at this point, the Doobie Brothers offer them free tickets. There, there's probably seven times in this episode where they could have gotten free tickets, yet they still go with bootlegging because they go back to the guys, say, listen, we're not going to do it. The guys pretty much threaten to kill them. If you don't do this Doobie Brothers concert, you're dead. It's like, okay, we're going to have to go. And, oh, I forgot the big thing. While they were talking to Doobie Brothers in the interview, Raj says to them, hey, what's the thing that annoys you the most? And, of course, it's bootlegging. Well, uh, what's your biggest problem? I mean, what gets you the craziest? Yeah. 
Let's say it's definitely bootlegging. And, and they just, that's, they're all, and there's, everyone gets their own line about how awful bootlegging is. Uh, they're just, that's the worst thing ever. If we catch anybody bootlegging, they're going to get the crap kicked out of them and get thrown in jail. And then the, uh, the best line of the, the whole time, though, or the whole episode, is when this guy in the Doobie Brothers, I don't know, do you know what the Doobie Brothers look like? Kind Not of. Anymore. Remember, like today, like today the, or back then, then. Then, there's the guy with real, real long hair. Looks like I'm telling you, the guy's 45. And he, hey, he's got rerun. that mustache. He's too like, done. hey, rerun. Remember when we were in class together? Hey, rerun. I remember you from Miss Phillips' class. Hey, hey, that's right. Nice to see you came back for the concert. Came back. I'm still here. And so they go to the concert. Uh, they end up uh, playing dancing, uh, taking it to the streets. They're dancing around. Tape recorder falls out of rerun's uh, jacket. Everybody's upset. They're, they're, they have to figure out what to do. They figure out the best thing to do and to teach kids is if you get caught bootlegging, you squeal like a pig. You, you, you <laughs> sing like a, a canary. They're snitches. So they go back. The guys, the bootleggers get caught. Everything's great. So, And in the meantime, as they're going, they get the tape recorder, play it. All that is recorded is rerun eating popcorn. Tell me I'm going to jail for a long time and all I got to show for it is a tape of a fat kid eating popcorn. <laughs> that was my number one episode, uh, The Ills of Bootlegging. So, Eric, you get your big one. All right, well, my, my big, uh, very special episode is something that's very near and dear to me. It's the Different Strokes episode, season eight, episode one of Sam's Missing. The one where Sam, the cousin Oliver of the Different Strokes, went and got himself kidnapped by a dude who was trying to replace one of his children that died. Now, that, that's a synopsis right there, man. But fucking, it's still played for laughs. That's the <laughs> fucked up part. Well, they have every season on the Encore on Demand. I was just going through the synopsis of like the later seasons, and it seemed like every other episode was like a very special episode without being called that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty odd, but like, uh, Sam goes and gets kidnapped by a dude. And you see right away, like I had my girlfriend watch it. She's never, she never really watched TV in the 80s, mm -hmm. and she's never watched Different Strokes. And I, I know what's coming. She has no idea. And all of a sudden, she sees this guy start lurking around Sam, start telling him, hey, I need you to come help me find my dog and all this stuff. And then Sam finally gives in and goes with him. And then you see Sam pushing through the guy's front door and it's like grabs him by the back. You tell anybody about this, and I'll kill your parents. We've been driving for over two hours. That's not important. Now, do you remember what I told you I would do to your parents? Don't you forget it. And she is just horrified beyond belief from watching this. And uh, Sam was, he was a ginger, right? Yeah, he was a little ginger boy. Yeah, why would, why would they grab him? Well, see, that, well, that brings me to why this episode is very special to me. See... I didn't learn much from very special episodes, apparently, because when I was around six or seven, an uh, ice cream truck came through my neighborhood. And when I got up there, uh, it was a man and woman inside, and they said, hey, I know your dad. I said, oh, yeah? Because, like I said, my father was in and out of my life, so any information on my dad was big news to me. So I just proceeded to go and get in the back of this ice cream truck. <laughs> nice. So what, <laughs> what did they do to you? 
Nothing. We I, actually the thing is I, we talked about something. I don't remember what the hell it was, but we talked ice cream. And that no, I don't. I, see, I, I have no memory of this. I might have blocked it out for all I know. But like what we were joking about earlier is that they were probably looking to steal a kid. And once I got in the back and they got a good look at me, it wasn't really worth it anymore. Yeah, they didn't I, want to kid that I bad. said to you, do you, they got you in. Now again, you were a fat little kid, right? With big thick Coke bottle glasses. Okay. Well, probably like at this point, how old are you? Were you like six or? Six or seven at the so time. So you're probably like already six foot. Big fat kid. Uh, hey, any more ice cream? Uh, get this kid out of here. He's, the, the, the grocery bill alone was going to bank. He's hitting us out of business. We got to get rid of this no, kid. Get this kid. We can't have this kid. We're out. So. It's it's funny to me too because I was talking I was uh, texting with my girlfriend earlier because I said she's away, and she brought up the fact I even forgot about this that when I was a boy, my mother and I had a system where if somebody came up to me and said they're here to pick me up for my mother, they would have to spell zucchini for it to like, that was our code word, they'd have to spell zucchini. So I didn't have anything, I I didn't have anything like that. When you, they were supposed to know the zucchini word, or when they show up, you say, hey, spell zucchini, and they spell zucchini and you're in? No, they had to spell zucchini, that was just how I knew, they would have but, to spell it just right there. But you didn't have to spell out to them, hey, if you're with my mom, spell out zucchini. No, that's something that she would have done because she's a responsible parent. Okay, so if, if I I thought about this after you told me that that just as long as the kidnapper was a good speller, he's in. You're <laughs> gone. You're off. And again, I said I can't spell zucchini right now. So your mom could have asked me to pick you up, and I I you wouldn't have gone with me. You would have been out. No, of absolutely rain not. Or something. But the thing is, I never had a thing like this with my dad. All it took apparently was, hey, I know your dad. Ooh, I'm getting in the back of your car. <laughs> You were the worst. And then uh, you went bootlegged a concert while on uh, caffeine pills and then hit a guy with a pie. And then tried to rape an old lady. <laughs> yeah, I was going to keep that one out. <laughs> you, you went there. Hey, I said try. All right. Well, that's it. That's our first uh, list of the top one and a half. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece. Welcome to Fan Fiction Theater. Today's story is Robin Dick Batman Bruce by Marlene Fish. It's a story of love, lust, and dick. Enjoy. For a moment, Bruce thought that perhaps he was having a wet dream. Sure, it had been quite some time since he had had one of those, but what was happening couldn't be real. Dick, his little boy Wonder, who had grown into a very sexy man, was kissing him, was rubbing himself up against him like a cat, and Bruce could almost hear him purr. Dick's tongue was exploring Bruce's mouth, and his hands were running over Bruce's chest. Bruce's hands fell limply at his sides. Sure, he had acted the playboy in his younger years to disguise his alternate identity, but he had never actually slept with that many people and he most definitely had never felt like this for anyone before. Dick had been jerking off to mental images of his guardian since he hit puberty. Oh my, that got out of hand quickly. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. Who likes good news, everyone? Uh, there's one piece of news, actually, for this week. One whole piece of news. One whole piece of news. Yeah, I didn't really scour the interwebs looking for it, but this is one that like, I saw happening. Gotcha. Okay, well, you, you're done interrupting me? No. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> All right.
Well, it seems that Warner Brothers Productions and uh, Berlante, uh, the hell, Berlante, Berlante, something, Productions, have cast Melissa Benoist. Uh, Benoist? I don't know, man. Fucking words are hard. Yes, they are. Uh, uh, Melissa Benoist is Supergirl for CBS's upcoming Supergirl series. And apparently she's, you know, big in glee, but I've never watched the show, so I have no idea who the hell this broad is. I just know that she's brunette, and I can't see it. Yeah, I, I was looking at it right now. Um, my wife was a huge Glee fan. I didn't watch much of Glee, but I'm looking. That's about all. She was in Blue Bloods, uh, an episode of Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Special yeah, Victims Unit, that whole thing. Looks like she's yeah. And that's the weird thing. You look in, and she is straight out brunette, <laughs> which is odd. Uh, do you think they're going to change that? Well, they, I, I think they will, unless they're going to have Supergirl. It could be like that whole thing where they're putting on a wig. Yeah. Like they did in the Supergirl movie. Yeah, that'd be weird. Uh, um, now, she is a little older, but I think that, didn't they announce that Kara's going to be in her early 20s or mid-20s? Like 24? The, okay, 24, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I don't know. You uh, Do you watch any of the um, uh, DC TV shows, Dan? I actually watch them on Hulu, but I am a little behind right now. Well, you're, um, you're way ahead of me, then. I'm way behind on Arrow. I'm like three seasons behind on Arrow. Okay. But I'm only a few episodes behind. (laughs) I think I'm four seasons behind. (laughs) And then I'm only a couple episodes behind on like Gotham, Flash, Constantine. Love me some Constantine. That's funny because I don't know. I haven't heard much excitement for Supergirl. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think that that's something that uh, my... One son was a huge uh, Smallville fan, so I think he'll go right to that, and my wife will be in. So, like I said, she likely uh, she watches Arrow and Flash. Doesn't watch Gotham or Constantine though. She would like Constantine. Get yeah, on that. I think you're about the only one who watches Constantine. Apparently, that's what the the ratings say too. Yeah, I know. And well, part on... of the problem is they don't know how to market it. Yeah, I know. You sent me that today, where they they changed the. Um, the time slot, but yet in all their advertisements, they still list the old time slot. Really? The old I time slot, and it's actually for the series premiere in October. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> again, what's weird is, I mean, really, even your, your uh, prime example, Dan, is do a lot of people still watch TV when it comes out? I know, Eric, you try to grab things when, I'm they, old school. Yeah, when they come out, but I, I don't. Uh, my DVR is filled and I, I'll watch things on demand. I don't. It's weird because with the, the whole on-demand thing, I think the DVR is kind of phasing out as well. Yeah. It's kind of an odd thing. But uh, So that's all the news, huh? Uh, I just, before we get off this, like, did, does anybody here ever or have watched House Hunters? No. No, no. no. Well, it's, I, I watched a couple episodes with my, yeah, with my girlfriend only, of course. Um, what I get so mad at these assholes because they're showing a bunch of houses and they walk in like, oh, I don't like this paint color. And stuff. I was like, you could change the goddamn paint color. And I realized <laughs> when we were talking, I think I'm doing the same thing to the Supergirl actress. Yeah. Because she has, she's brunette. I'm like, no, can't be doing it. No. Yeah. Again, though, um, you know, it's weird, though. Hair color doesn't really mean that much to me in no. certain things, but it does with Supergirl. I, I don't see her being anything but blonde. I'm saying, I think they'll dye it or at least use a wig. Yeah, I, I think they'll ever dye the, the hair. But I'm looking at, at a picture of her. She kind of looks like she could be Supergirl. I don't know. She kind of looks like she's 37 already to me. You think so? I, I don't like her jerk-off face. Tough. I, I think she legitimately is probably like 26. You're, you're just not a nice guy. No, not at all. <laughs> you're awful. After these messages.
messages will be right back. To a child who doesn't read, the world is a closed book. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the many books that came out this week, which I know we mentioned last week that we were a little down on the books. Uh, most of the books we read last week were not the greatest, so I was hoping that this week would turn it around, and as you'll see, it didn't really, but uh, you think it was a better week than last week, Eric? Yeah, I really thought it was going to be going into it. Um, I didn't really look at the overall averages of our books and or individually, but uh, yeah, it's got last week was garbage, so I'm going to say it right off the bat, this is a better week. I actually, uh, it was weird this week. There were some big books that were pretty good, and then some not so big books that, that really stunk, and some uh, usual suspects uh, your way, your weeklies weren't great as well, but uh, we'll start it out, and Dan, Dan, you just jump in anytime, whatever you've read as well. Uh, Sounds good. And we're starting out with Eric reviewed <laughs> Batman and Robin number 38. Yeah, Batman and Robin number 38, written by Peter J. Tomasi and pencils by Patrick Gleason. I was so excited going into this book because now we're at the new status quo where Damien has superpowers and pretty much he's just back alive, which is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what'd you go say? I was going to say I was pretty excited to read this too. I don't I don't read much of the book. Well, I mean, don't even know what I'm saying. I don't read many of the books that Eric uh, reviews. I don't know, Dan. Did you read this? No, I actually I read like three of the books on the okay. list this week. Yeah, I. Uh, what we do on the site is we have so many books that we review that I usually end up just reading the books I review. That's uh, what I do same usually. with Eric. So we're trying to get, and this is the first issue of Batman and Robin I've read since. Uh, handing it over to Eric months ago, right? It's been a right. while. It's been a, a couple months. And I, I want to say five months. It was pretty much, yeah, it was a little after Dean. I, I got through all the uh, the Two-Face stuff and <laughs> and then that awful, uh, you know, Batman and Aquaman, Batman and Wonder Woman, that stuff, and then I gave it to you and it got great again. I knew Damien was coming back. I wanted the book back. Yeah, so, yeah, I was excited uh, to read it and I liked it. Well, I, I like the majority of it. It's like the beginning part where we're showcasing Damien's powers and how him and uh, Batman are working together now with those powers. And then we start going into Damien's psychological wounds of him being killed. And from there, it gets fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damien, you know, jumps out of his goddamn bed and up through the, uh, the floorboards to Alfred's room, having a nightmare of him being killed. And then proceeds to go on his way to collect his brothers that are awful, awful clones of him's. That apparently Aquaman has now. I don't remember Aquaman having, but I'll go with it. Well, it actually, it's I kind of set that up. That was in the Aquaman, Batman and Aquaman crossover, that issue of uh, when Batman was with Aquaman. They kind of mentioned that after that, uh, Batman gave the clones for Aquaman to kind of take over, take care I of. Guess, I guess Atlantis is a good place to hide them yeah, away. I don't know why they were hiding them. Uh, why what? wouldn't you have just destroyed them? <laughs> And because it, Damien would have been pissed when he came uh, back to ride, yeah, apparently. But again, at that point, did you think Batman... I know he was trying to, but man, I, I think I would have gotten rid of him. Uh, the only oh, yeah, thing, I would have destroyed him with a baseball bat. It, it kind of comes into the thing that I didn't like about this issue, is I really didn't like Aquaman, the way he was portrayed. He, he just, came off weird. He was way too stern. Yeah, and he like, was really know, stiff. 
Yeah. It was odd. It was like he sh- like Damien showed up, and you get the idea that it, he obviously knows who Damien is. I don't know. They had a lot of interaction, but you would have at least thought he would have maybe hugged him or... I don't he was just seemed very odd, like almost like statuesque, just standing there. Honestly, I think he was afraid. He just saw a little boy swim down to Atlantis That's and he true. didn't want to get his ass kicked in front of his subjects. It, it might be. It might be. Well, and uh I did uh you mentioned this week, you said something about the book and while I was reading it I thought the same thing where when Damien is that dream, a couple things happen in that dream that he shouldn't know. Yeah, it's just like I chalked it up to like him reading Batman's blog to Bruce being a terrible and telling him to his face. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, the one thing was to tell you with the bullet in her forehead. Yeah, I figured he just read that she got shot in the head. You think that Batman put that down in the notes? I'm sure he did. He's fucking meticulous. Yeah, he is. But yeah, it just came off as a little weird. But Sam, the weirdest part is after Atlantis where he takes all his like wrong clones like and brings him to a i hope an uninhabited island yeah, I, I hope i was waiting for it to pan up and it's actually like just outside of like san diego or something it's some craziness it's in hawaii yeah, somewhere i said but he did has anyone here ever seen the movie it's alive i you told me about it i've not seen it Dan? neither have i well it's alive is a terrible terrible horror flick from the early 80s about mutant killer babies that are born and then pretty much just start killing people. And it got up to part three of the series where it was called It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, where these terrible mutant babies grow up to be giant mutant babies and they have a whole island of themselves. And this is what it reminded me of because he just lets these two-headed mongoloid monsters go. Here, this is your home. Be free. Uh, and uh, are you with me that like the art through all that issue is really good? Then it gets to these clone two-headed babies, and it's just off. It just looks – it's not even like it's, like, grotesquely off. It just does – like, all of a sudden, he's like, I don't want to draw this. and just kinda... also, it kind of lacks detail all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It, it, it's very odd, those, those two-headed babies. And that yeah. one where it's just staring right at his face. <laughs> it's odd. He's a braver boy than I am. Yeah, as I said in my notes here, I was like, man, that's it's a crazy island. They just go walking off into the woods, into well, yeah, the they're, jungle. They're going to be the big freaking uh, urban legend of the area. And I, I said to you this week, and even when I was reading it again, I'm, well, that, it has to come back to bite him in the ass eventually. Either he's going to have to kill them or just just, firebomb the island. something's going to happen. They they have to get back to it at some point. I really hope it's just a way to write them out completely. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I don't know why. If they would have never went back to having those clone babies and all that, would you have called them on it? No. No, no I wouldn't have either. I would have assumed that they were taken care of and whatever, but Aquaman was babysitting them. Yeah, I'm good with that. It's yeah. fine. And what would you give it? I'm saying I love the majority of the book, except the ending got a little weird for me. But I gave it an eight out of ten. It was just really great having Damien back and the interaction between Bruce spot on. No, I, it's I, like he never left. I actually, the one thing I also is while I was reading it, because I wanted Damien back so much, just as much as you. Uh, though Says when you. I read the book, it actually made me realize that it isn't just Damien that I wanted back. It was actually Batman being that fatherly figure again. Yeah. That, is, that was so good with Damien, and he and does it in this so episode. Good. It nails it in this episode with that. Issue, issue. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I put, uh, I would have actually, if I would have been doing it, uh, reviewing it, I probably would have given it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, well, you like them high marks. I know, I give higher marks. Right? So that's that. But the next book 
is Wonder Woman number 38 with uh, written by Meredith Finch and art by David Finch. And right away, the thing that I'd have to say about this issue is that it is probably one of the better looking issues that I've read in a it long, looks long amazing. time. It looks so good. Um, and I want to take pages of the book and get them blown up and put, like, make it my whole wallpaper. Yeah, I, so actually, I actually put in my review that you would put it in your bedroom. I would put it in my bedroom and do That's terrible right. things to it. Yes, yes. It's, it is so good. And actually, since the, the Finches took over the book from uh, Azarello and Chang, uh, the art's been incredible. David Finch's art is so good. It's One of my been, favorite artists in yeah, DC. It's been the story that's been a little off. And I mentioned it in my reviews over the, the months that it's almost as if Meredith Finch is afraid to do something new. Like she has to keep Azarello's stuff that he did, which Azarello's run was great. But when they took over, I actually was hoping that they she would just, I don't even care if it just started right, boom, something new right away. And what I was really hoping for was that she would get Wonder Woman involved with the rest of the DCU. Because during Azarello's run, like I said, it was a great run, but it always seemed like it happened outside of the New 52. It never seemed like things that happened in that book were affecting yeah. the, the rest of the thing. I mean, she's in the, the Justice League. She's in Superman, Wonder Woman. And, it's a 35-page one-shot. I mean, 35-issue yeah, yeah. one-shot. Yeah, and, and it never really seemed... There was a couple, actually, Superman, Wonder Woman, Charles Soule tried to tie in some things, but it was always like a little quip here and a little mention there. Um, but it never seemed to go. And this issue is the first one of their run that I actually liked. I gave it a 7 out of 10 uh, because it really did start to tie her in with the rest of the New 52. And I like what they're doing. What the story seemed to be going at the beginning was that out of all the things that had happened in that that prior Wonder Woman run and with her in Justice League and all the other books that the Amazons were pretty pissed off that she uh, had been neglecting uh, Themyscira. She'd been an absentee queen. So they call her on it. In the meantime, her that and her being the god of war causes a lot of problems for the Amazons. Uh, people are dead because of her and she just kind of keeps showing up and like, oh, what did I miss? Oh, you missed Ten people dying. And, I'm sorry, uh, you, you got me to read this issue for the podcast because I haven't been following the Wonder Woman since like the first six issues, I mm -hmm. think. And going in, I had no idea what was the fuck was going on. Then it was all of a sudden it was a dream. Yeah, yeah, that and was. I, I was a little pissed off about that. I was so confused. Yeah, well, and in the dream that the it's Donna Troy, who's about to kill her, and then she wakes up, and then she's dealing with this whole thing. And like I said, it looks like the direction of the book is going to be. I, I actually took it as uh, it was her, her like uh, God of War self that was going to kill her. No, that I believe that was the because at the end when you see Donna Troy, yeah. it looks just like her thing. But yeah, maybe you're right. But I, I took it as it was a premonition of hers that Donna Troy was going to take over the Amazons and get rid of her. Mm -hmm. Which by the end of the episode, you Stop see that episode. Uh, episode. I, I keep saying that at the end of the <laughs> issue, you realize that that's what's going to happen. They are actually going to anoint Donna Troy, the queen of the Amazons, uh, while... Born Wonder, of no man. Yeah, while Wonder Woman is away with uh, the Justice League trying to help out. And the only thing I didn't like about this issue 
or one thing I didn't like at all is uh, how Batman just kept pushing Wonder Woman <laughs> to talk about the what hey what's it like being the God of War what does the God of War do and and she's just like I don't want to talk about it and do he, I gotta he, keep tabs on keep, you yeah he keeps just digging in with it but like I said I gave it a seven out of ten and I actually I like this issue and I like it a lot more than any of the other Finch's issues so I'm hoping that from here on out it gets even a little more better a little better because I love Wonder One I loved Azarella's run I'm hoping that they do something a little different but good as well yeah I think I might have given this 8 out of 10 just for like the, the art right away yeah. like if you want to do that whole like 5 for art 5 for uh, writing or whatever yeah, yeah. right away the art's 5 right away you know it is the best looking art I've seen it in is, like the new 52 it is so time. good yep uh, well, the next book, I wasn't too pleased with the art, actually. It was Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 38. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can get behind the cartoony style yeah. for, like, I, I just like it. It's Red Hood number uh, and the Outlaws, number 38, written by Scott Liddell and penciled by R.B. Silva. And I don't know. I just really enjoyed this. Like, lately, well, for a while, actually, Red Hood and the Outlaws has been really bad. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is uh, another example of a very special episode because it all, it's all dealing with uh, Starfire's, uh, Starfire's drug addiction. Yeah, yeah. And it's re- I, I almost wanted to put this as my honorable mention for the week. Uh, but no, it's it's a very special episode, and it's all about trying to find uh, Starfire, who's been addicted to drugs. She ended up burning Roy before just like, letting her fire loose. And then she went to an alien truck stop heroin den? I don't know what the hmm. hell if a... Uh, does heroin have dens or is that strictly opium? Uh, we'll say that heroin has dens. I, I imagine the people are all just laying around in a daze. Oh, this is a- alien heroin. Yeah, oh, that's even sort. worse. Yeah. Well, they go to a truck stop, they get in the back of a truck, and they just shoot up some drugs and then lay back there like it's train spotting. I, I don't know. And then the truck driver drove away with her. Nice. And and now now that Roy's, like, you know, magicked up and he's fine again, him and uh, Red Hood are going to try to, you know, save her. Mm-hmm. But this issue also reintroduced the villain Crux, which I really like. He was a, a guy who transformed himself using Killer Crocs, uh, Clay Faces, and uh, uh, who the hell is the last one? And somebody else's DNA. He turned himself into, oh, Man Bats. Man Bats, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's turned funny. Turned himself because... into a lizard, a bat lizard monster. Yeah, I forgot all about Crux. And then I started reading them. Oh, Crux. Well, I loved it because... That is what, like, when Crux was introduced was when I really liked Red Hood and the Outlaws back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the day, like two or three years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's back <laughs> in the day. I'm thinking, what were you reading Red Hood and the Outlaws when you were <laughs> 10? But, but no, they, like, uh, they get a hold of Crux because he knows the most about Starfire than anybody on the Earth mm-hmm. because he hated her so much and knew about aliens, trying to kill all aliens. And they get a hold of him, and he turns out to be a good guy now. He's been locked up in Arkham all this time. And for the one time in history, his therapy sessions worked, and now he's getting. I was blown away by that. I laughed so hard. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty funny, but uh, I think the best part was when they got him back. He was back in his old ship, which mm-hmm. they had stolen from him. Correct. Yep. Yeah. When they uh, confisc- like confiscated his ship when they had him arrested. Yeah, and he's back as just Simon. Yep, and, Simon them all. And he has a bro hug with Jason. <laughs> Wearing Jason's clothes. So good. <laughs> Freaking hugging it out. I just loved it because the dialogue was so much fun because they had to wrap their heads around uh, that Crux is a good guy now and he's willing to help no problem. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty, I mean, he's a really good guy. Yeah, I he, really hope that he joins the Outlaws. Yeah, I, I actually thought that myself. 
Because at one point, he, basically, it was up to him if Jason lives or dies. Yeah, he could have killed him right there, but no, he's easily. a good guy now. And yeah. I, I thought the same thing while I was reading. I'm like, you know what? Him as a member of the, the team would be so good. I know. I think it would be a great chance to change the dynamic of the story and just add a bit of freshness to it. And I think like a lot of people put Scott Liddell's writing down. And I'm saying I really like the beginning of his run of this, and now he's back. I'm just trying to get him to get back onto the course that he had originally. Yeah. Yeah, and with yeah. this issue, I could see it start blooming. Well, what do you think about uh, Blackfire? Well, I see Blackfire is a uh, bitch. She's an awful, awful bitch. But uh, I had a little, I don't know. There, she's now working for another alien overlord who I can't remember his fucking name off the top of my head right now. Okay. But before the outlaws had gone into space and saved everybody, and like she was very grateful. So her coming back down, like, I got to murder your ass now, didn't really jive with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I did like that. Did, did you see where the the island that she uh, Starfire was on, where it was yeah. located? I didn't look at that. Parts unknown. <laughs> like <laughs> the ultimate like, warriors come out of nowhere. <laughs> That's all I was waiting for. The, and it was so weird because all of a sudden it, it just struck me. Like, why would they put that in parts unknown? That <laughs> ultimate warrior that comes, he just comes flying out. Uh, the weird thing about this issue is you gave it a nine, right? Oh, yeah, I really and, had a good time. With and this. Uh, looking at the uh, comic book roundup site, which we go to. Did you ever go there, Daniel? On occasion. Yeah, yeah, we, we go there a lot to just check out reviews. And we I, I'll admit, a lot of times we read other people's reviews and make fun of them, which, oh, I'm, yeah, which I'm sure that they do the same to ours. But uh, on the roundup right now, there are four reviews for... Red Hood and the Outlaws, and Eric is way up on top with a 9 out of 10. And uh, the next one down is uh, Geeked Out Nation with an 8.1. Then you have Gambit Magazine with a 5, and Batman News with a 3. Yeah. And I I'm telling you, Eric there takes a lot of pride in hating for hate's sake, so he likes Stop to... saying that. People... <laughs> <laughs> you do take pride in being pretty critical, though. Yeah, if I don't like something, I want everybody to fucking yeah. know about so it. So it's rare that you are that far ahead of the uh, the curve. The curve, yeah. You're you're breaking the curve there with a nine. <laughs> and uh, what's funny is when you were talking about Scott Liddell and things like that, um, I think that there are a lot of people out there that do hate for hate's sake when it comes to him. Uh, I was called out for that way back when he did uh, Superman. Was it oh, Superman? Yeah. No, no, I actually what, don't remember. Damn it! What was it? Whatever, uh, whatever it was that uh, that I was reviewing at his that uh, I got called out that I just didn't like him in general, and it wasn't the case. It was awful. So, but you like this though, so that's good. And, and it, I, it, it just seems like Red Hood and the Outlaws is getting back to the form that I like them to be in. Yeah, and, and I, I'm that? just really looking forward to the future of this because I want it to continue. Now, I, I read it, and I would have given it an 8 out of 10. So I would have yeah. been below you, but it was an, I liked it. I, I wasn't that fond of the art was the only thing. I thought the art was a little off on parts, and I think it was more of a Starfire at the end. Right. I think she came out looking a little odd in a yeah. bunch of those panels. Well, you like the way Jason Todd looked, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. Even though, what was with that oh, that, oh. that one eye and the big eye? Yeah, I don't know. Now, like, with him, with, I even put that in my review where I didn't like his look without his helmet on. And you know what's weird about it? Did you see when they had a pan-out shot and it was, like, it was less detailed? It still had that big eye and the little eye. He had, like, a lazy <laughs> eye going. It was annoying. 
That's he looked like I, sloth. Yeah, I'd wear a mask too if I look like that. But yeah, no, it looked really good. I dig that. Like uh, when Arby Silva was on World's Finest, when it was still Power Girl and Huntress, I really couldn't get behind his art style. But I'm digging it here because with the the humorous dialogue, the cartoony feel really works for me, in my opinion. Well, that's cool. I, I mean, I liked it all. Like I said, the thing that got me was that last bit with Starfire. I think was I thought it was a little off. Right. But the next book is Justice League number 38. What the hell? I just talked about shit. Yep. All right. Well, Justice League number 38 written by Jeff Johns and pencils by Jason Fabok. I think that's how you say it. Fabok? I think it's Fabok. Fabok? Sounds good to me. I don't know. I'm now making fun of the dude's name. Mm. Fabok. I like but, his uh, art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I love his art so yeah. much. I enjoyed uh, the art in this one. Yeah, it was really good. Oh, uh, this one. You read this one, Danny? I actually did read this one. Nice. Have you been following the Amazo virus storyline? I have not. Uh, but now I'm going to go back and read the first two parts. See, that's the thing. Everybody seems to love it. I don't know if they can't say anything negative about Jeff Johns or what, but this is actually one of my least favorite Justice League uh, storylines. Now, you see, for me, I am a Jeff Johns fanboy. <laughs> I, I think I consider myself that, too, but I just can't get behind this Amazo uh, virus. I like the concept. I... I... I like that Lex is kind of like the whole big deal about Lex joining the Justice League, and now he has kind of screwed them over with his uh, his awfulness from before. I do like a lot, <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, I read this, and my favorite thing, Captain Cold, is just awesome. Oh, that's one of the best parts of the He's book. He's so yeah. good. The only thing that I don't like, I don't like the um, his uh, speech bubbles. They have, I can't remember what they look well, like. They well, make they make them in a way that's kind of like looks like uh, they would be frozen. So they oh, have a okay. lot of points. And it, it, uh, half the time, I know it's him, but because of all these points, it kind of gets confusing about, I'm like, oh, oh it's Captain. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just an idiot is what it is. But I don't know why, but it annoys me when there's a lot of points in a, in a speech bubble. <laughs> I like the one point going to the mouth. I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, go into your mouth. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, when Lex, I mean, the big, the big uh, thing is obviously Batman with powers. Yes. But also Sonic when, powers. Yeah, and uh, when Lex pretty much admits to Superman that he used the Mesovirus on him four years ago, <laughs> what, a, what a jerk! <laughs> so I just really, and uh, again, Batman's powers is awesome. I see. I can't get behind it. Like the no. cover got me really excited for electric powers because for some reason I just really like electric powers. Yeah. And yeah. the cover made it look like that completely. And then here he has the ability to control sonic waves or some shit. Yeah. Well, it, even in the in the issue, he kind of says that he thinks that the virus psychically figures out subconsciously. What, yeah. Figures out what powers you would use. Yeah. Yeah, and it would figure out what powers you would use so that they they're appropriate. I guess. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of calling bullshit on that, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I he mean, couldn't have at least gotten the ability to fly. I mean... Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, really. He gets the sonic boom. I'll say, though, he became Black Canary pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. now he's blind and has echolocation. And, of course, then they were, they were going after Patient Zero. And uh, basically because the getting the powers is going to kill Batman. Yeah, that's going to kill everybody. You know, yeah, it's going to kill everybody. Except at the end, where all of a sudden, uh, they all show up. 
Yeah, well, I don't know what it is because every time they're about to talk about the virus, they got interrupted. Like Lex wanted to let a knowledge bomb drop, but he kept getting like interrupted by uh, Batman attacking them mm-hmm. uh, and other things I can't recall off the top of my head. Did, but, the, did you like the last panel? Yeah, I like the last panel. That was fun. It, it, like, it looks like either there's some kind of alien thing going down or that the virus itself has uh, gained sentience and has taken over everybody that's infected. Yeah, so now yeah. it's like a hive mind, like we are legion type of shit. Mm-hmm, that's what it... Uh, that last panel kind of reminded me of the Marvel zombies. <laughs> They're all there just... Uh, uh, so you gave it a 7? A 7 out of 10. Like, I... I love Fox art. I love. I I liked a lot of the stuff going on here, but I just can't get behind the storyline because, like the whole desolation and emptiness, the feeling it has is like a good for a zombie or an outbreak story. But I just don't think it works for superheroes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a it's a Justice League book, and we only have three of the members of the Justice League. Yeah, that's kind of been kind of an issue with it for a while, though, hasn't it? No, not really. Well, with Green Lantern hasn't been in. Oh, no, but they have new members. I mean, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, Shazam, Cyborg, Flash, gotcha. Aquaman. And also, I, want, I brought this up in my review. How like how would the uh, powers affect Shazam since all his shit's magical? Yeah, I was, I was wondering that, too. Uh, like, a couple things I, like that. I think he should come off like Wonder Woman, who's immune because of her godhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I, he has I, the powers of Zeus, Hercules, and all that jazz. Yeah, again, I, I just love this issue, and at the end when I saw him, there's Shazam Cyborg, and I did get kind of the same Because he still has lightning flowing off him. Like, it'd be different if he powers. was, at the point when it happened, he was Billy, Yeah. and it would affect him then, but it's obviously it's Shazam, and yeah. you're right, I don't think it should have affected him. It's supposed to get rid of their powers, so like, since this is magical, he still has lightning coming off him. Is it just controlling him and going to kill him eventually? I don't. I would like to have a little bit of background on that. Yeah, I, I think that if I was reviewing this, I probably would have given it a 7 out of 10 like you. How about you, yeah. Dan? Uh, I would have given it an 8. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, you said you're going to go back and read the other issues then? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't know. The Amazovirus whole thing, I remember when they announced it, it, it didn't really, it didn't pique my interest at all. Uh, but I, I like this issue. But next, uh, we have uh, Batman Superman number 18, written by Greg Pak and art by Ardian Sayach and Ulysses Ariola. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Ulysses Ariola. <laughs> Ulysses Ariola. <laughs> I believe Ulysses. Yeah, I believe Ulysses Ariola was on uh, colors, but I like that name, so I threw it in there. And <laughs> speaking of uh, odd stories, uh, this one continues the Superman's Joker story, which is basically Batman. I don't know. It seems like he's trying to convince Superman that he needs a Joker, and then one just popped up. Batman's. Uh, a- <laughs> yeah, Batman kind of likes other people to suffer like him. Apparently, what happened is last month was the start of this this arc, and they wanted you to think that Lobo was possibly Superman's Joker, which that's a joke in itself. I nobody nobody would ever have picked Lobo as Superman's Joker, but well, we talked about this. Who do you think Superman's Joker is? I like I said, I actually think that if he wasn't reintroduced in Superman Wonder Woman, I said this week that I think Magog would have been a pretty good one because it would have been out of the blue yeah. and he does hate Superman. Uh I'm telling you right now, I have no idea. I don't even have a, a thought of it because of the weird stuff that's happening. It just yeah. doesn't seem I I don't think it's Brainiac. We've had too much Brainiac going on. Um 
I don't Dan, know. What, Dan, Dan, I don't know if you're familiar with the story at all, but who would you think that Superman's Joker would be? I'm actually not familiar with the story, but if I had to pick a villain at least on the same level of icon, uh, being an icon, I would almost argue Lex Luthor. Yeah. yeah they, they, and they try to get rid of that right away. They have to say it's like somebody who will go after the people that you love. You know, they actually try to dispel. Not, it's not about popularity or like you know the iconness. It's more about how the Joker acts. Yeah, it's more like you said. It's more of somebody who is so obsessed with them that he will do anything to just bring them down. Like you said, somebody who's so psychotic that there's no yeah. boundaries. Yeah, yeah, none and at honestly, all. Honestly. I would have to agree with Daniel still that it would be Lex, but, yeah. you know, that's been shut down completely. Or Mixel Flick. Well, at, at, that'd be great. At the very beginning of the story, they really, like, you know what, guys? I know you all think it's Lex Luthor, so it's not. Boom, he gets shot. So the, the whole concept of this is that somebody has shown up, and they have, they have magic bullets that are able to <laughs> kill anyone. Basically, they, they're taking down. Lex gets hit. They uh, So... Superman is trying to figure out who it is before more people die. So he goes to the Fortress of Solitude, and uh, it was pretty much ripped apart by Brainiac in the Doom story. It's a living computer in the Fortress of Solitude, and Superman... There's a really weird thing where they keep mentioning that it takes 40 days for this thing to repair. That's because Superman's Jesus. They just guess. 40 days. 40 days. And it's not 40 days aren't over, but he can't wait. He doesn't want anybody to die. He's got to figure out who this Joker, quote-unquote, Joker is. So <laughs> they he just try... in the background keep hammering in, religion. Yes, yes. And he tries, to, <laughs> he tries to get it there. And out of nowhere, Kara comes flying in and just destroys him. Out of, and she's mad. You can't mess with the computer. Please don't, Superman. The Kandorians are missing, and she has the bottled city of Kandor. My friend, is, it was in there. Now all the Kandorians the are I don't gone. think she actually had that, though. Yeah, yeah. I, are you sure? Well, I know at the I, end. I saw it there. I don't know if it's a hologram or she's just imagining it well, there. What's but what's weird is I know at the end, we'll get to the end, where there's yeah. a bottled city. After reading it again, I thought, well, maybe that's a different bottled city, but I think maybe you're right because that it, it's odd. But, yeah. Yeah. It's Rumi there. FBI. Like you said, they show it. I'd have to pull it up. But in the meantime, the only thing about that is it just came off as very odd for Supergirl to be that. I, out of the blue, she just shows up and, and pushes Superman down and starts yelling about how you can't do this. We have to let the, the computer repair. What are you doing? We're not going to be able to save the people from Kandor. Just seemed odd to me. I don't... Exactly. You see, God, you. I read that earlier today. And I can, I think it's completely justified. Yeah. But like, here's Clark. He's been living on Earth his whole life. He's worried about the humans and the Earthlings, whatever. She's still like, you know, considers herself a Kryptonian. This is a strange world she's on. She wants to save her people. Yeah. And if Superman fucks the computer, it ruins her chances. Yeah, I, I don't even know that the way it came to me though is that when Superman went to do it, I don't even think it went through his mind. Like, if I do this, it's going to screw this up. Then we're not going to be able to do that. I just think he's trying to save people, right off the bat. Well, and being stupid again. I was just going to say, maybe he's a little dumb, which is going to be uh, shown later. Because what happens is that Batman and him are talking, and all of a sudden this voice of this other, this villain comes over and starts taunting Superman. So Batman comes up with a plan that he's going to give a little like red herring to this quote-unquote Joker and, and set him up for a plan he has set up. And so Batman's like, oh... 
don't worry, Superman. I have the woman here, your love, Lois Lane. And Superman has no idea <laughs> that Batman is trying to set up a planet. What? What are you talking? Lois Lane? I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you know, you know, Superman, the woman you love. And he and Kara's even there. Well, huh? And they don't get the idea. Then finally it hits them. But really, it was it I was, was probably for, come on, wink, wink. Yeah, it was probably the funniest thing this week in comics because <laughs> Superman is just so dense that he just doesn't realize that Batman is trying to set up this this villain, and so eventually it does work. They have Lois Lane there, and uh, Batman gets shot by this magic bullet from this villain, and the big reveal is that the bullet is actually a miniature Kandorian. And it is just, that is one of the craziest things that I've read in a while, where these people are being killed and shot with little miniature Kandorians. And they get it. And now you read it. I asked you earlier, do you think that Superman has set himself up with kryptonite armor? Batman, you mean? What's that? You said Superman. You mean Batman? Oh, yeah, Batman. I'm sorry. No, I said I, I wanted to talk to you about this because earlier in the week you told you talked to me about this, and it seemed like this was Batman's plan all along mm-hmm. that he was going to get shot, and he's going to have this kryptonite armor underneath the, like some layers. Yep. But at, when I read to the end of this, he's like, I didn't plan on getting shot. So I'm like, you just have this shit on all yeah, the time. Yeah, I did. It didn't it didn't make sense? Plus, did he guess that? It was a miniature Kandorian flying no, around. What, that no, it, no, it really no doesn't idea. make sense. No, no, he. I'm just saying. He was not prepared for this. He didn't think he was going to get shot. He just has that in case a Kryptonian goes bad. Yeah, and he, he apologizes to Superman. Yeah. Because when Superman comes over to, to help him, ah, all of a sudden he's like, <laughs> what the hell, Batman? You got Kryptonian or uh, Kryptonite armor. But, yeah, it was it was a little odd. But I, I So in, in conclusion of the book, though, Batman's going to win in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, Because he's, he's fucking prepared. Yeah, he's always prepared. And again, I think I even put it in my review that when Batman makes a plan, even if the plan goes wrong, he's made plans for the plan to go wrong that he planned wrong. It just keeps going around and around. But yeah, uh, I I said to you earlier this week, and I think I may have mentioned it in my review, that uh, the whole thing with this miniature Kandorian as as the bullet is very Grant Morrison to me. It is Action Comics, it's very odd. And I, I liked it, though. And they they end up going to Ray Palmer, which I always love. Yeah. And then the issue ends with the craziest thing where you see a bottled city in the middle of Iceland. And that's where it ends. Under the, the water. Under the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, it says the Black Sand Desert. So I actually think it's just on oh, a... Oh, I, I saw it as water. Yeah, right. I actually think it's just a reflective desert where they find the city. And again, I would guess that it's Kandor. I would think but so. But at the one point, like you said, maybe it was a hologram that Kara has, or she just mentions it and they show it. But it, it seemed odd. But I now, do you a... remember? Do you remember there being Fiora in this uh, New Fifty Two? Yeah. Okay, and that wasn't Fiora at the end. No, I don't Look think it, it was because she was out. She was. Uh, but again, these are all these people coming from. The bottled city of Kandor. Now they're, they're... I, think, I don't know who's in that goddamn city. Yeah, um, I know. There's all these people. I was guessing that maybe that's Kara's friend. It, that's a good possibility. Uh, but you know, at the end, by the end of this, I started thinking though that uh, Superman's Joker might be Zod, like yeah. talking about all these Kryptonians and shit. You know? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, and he would actually he would want to hurt Superman any way he could. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I actually, out of all the things I said bad about it, I guess, I, I gave it an 8.7 out of 10. I really <laughs> liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, last week's issue, or last week's, last month's issue, like again, I thought it was a little off. I thought the whole Lobo thing seemed forced, seemed like a joke. They have to, so it's going to be a bunch of issues for this arc, so you can't have the actual Superman's Joker be in the first issue. So they threw Lobo out there. You know, he's a, a good Superman villain, but it's it like goofy. Well, not the new one, but yeah, Lobo. I like the new one, but um, yeah, I like this I think... issue. I liked everything that happened, and I like the interaction with Batman and Superman. I love the little mini Kendorian. I thought that was so <laughs> good, uh, and I love Artie and Sias art. I really like. Oh, I really dug it too. Yeah, but the I only problem that. I had with it, it seemed that everybody was always dirty. Yeah, yeah. It had that dirty feel to I guess it for that some pencil reason. Heavy, yeah. heavy deal. That, uh, but you know, some of it is taken care of by Ulysses Ariola on art or on uh, <laughs> colors. Color. Yeah, I really dug the colors here. Yeah, they were good. I like it. Uh, but that's all for that. I would give it an eight out of ten. I think because I, I don't normally read uh, Batman and Superman, but I really liked what I saw here, and I think I got a little bit of background from you talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. Well, next up we have Teen Titans number six. Oh, God, Teen Titans. Teen Titans, number six, written by Will Pfeiffer. I think that's how I say it, Pfeiffer? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that P always throws me. But written by Will Pfeiffer, pencils by Scott Hepburn. And, man, have, I have not been enjoying this series since it renumbered. Yeah. It's, I don't know. This team does not seem, co- like, uh, cooperative at all. It just like It seems like they're new at this, and they haven't been at it for a while. And it also feels like they're also taking the same route that... There's a dog attack going on. (laughs) Yeah. um... (laughs) Uh, That's good. All right. I actually thought it was Eric and his girlfriend, but she's not there right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I'm going to calm him down right now. You could just keep him there. Uh, I was going to blame Jim's dog. All right. No, my dog actually. Here's the scary part. He's at the other end of the house right now. He is loud. Jesus. But um, anyway, (laughs) dogs aside, I. uh, I really feel that Teen Titans is doing the same route that Batgirl is at the present time, just trying to get younger view uh, readers in, because they're using a lot of like like internet celebrity type of thing. People keep taking videos of these people, uh, this uh, the Titans. Yeah, yeah. And it's just becoming like fame equals shitty superheroes to me at this point. I'm I don't with know. You. I I know the whole. Uh, we talked a lot about it last week with Batgirl, and I don't know that this whole. It's weird uh, for for so long I complain to you about not having the fun factor in the comics in DC yeah. and it seems like this is what they have decided is fun. Apparently. It is social media and being awful. That's the thing. I did, like the, the Teen Titans before it got renumbered had a lot of problems with storytelling mm-hmm. but it, I had a lot of I am now. It seems. I don't know. It's just, The colors are going for this new look like this pastel pop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably getting this completely wrong but that's how I see it. But this issue I thought was going to be good because we got the introduction of Tanya Spears as the new Power Girl mm-hmm. and a possible new member of the team. Yeah. And it didn't really work out. She, you know, she made the Teen Titans look like they suck at being superheroes, and then she called them a bunch of assholes for patting each other on the back afterwards and not taking it to the streets like Michael McDonald. Yeah, he was taking it to the streets when uh, they were recording <laughs> his concert. <laughs> oh, Doobie Brothers. Oh, yes. But I don't know. It's it all leads back to like this Manchester Black thing and how he's working. He's for the Star Labs and they want to sponsor the Teen Titans. So like I don't know. 
I guess that also leads to the whole fame thing, where then now they have corporate sponsors. Yeah. And but <laughs> the best part of the book for me though is he came and uh, paid Power Girl a visit. I mean, uh, Super uh, Wonder Girl a visit. Goddamn, Wonder Girl a visit at her apartment when her mother was over. And Manchester Black walks around with a jacket on and no shirt just to show off his Union Jack tattoo on his chest. Mm-hmm. And her mother called her out on it. I've been yelling at this fucking book since he was introduced, put a goddamn shirt on, and she finally did it for me. That was the best part of the book for me. So you were all excited. He actually, did he put a shirt on? No, he didn't, because he's at a goddamn apartment. What's he going to tell? Nice. But the thing, <laughs> it, it's bothered, he's supposed to be a respected scientist. I, I, he doesn't wear a shirt. He don't need that he's, shit. He's eccentric. I, see, I don't know anything about Manchester Black. He's actually a scientist. Yeah, he's one, I actually one thought one he was in a band or something. He might as well take not that adds to the fame factor too because we have Wonder Girl fan club gangs, we have Raven tribute bands, yeah, and yeah. it's just not feeling like Teen Titans anymore. But the whole issue comes to where like the, they have Beast Boy like you know infiltrating Star Labs as a mouse to see if what he can find out or like on the up and up. Mm-hmm. And Manchester, it kind of goes back and forth with Manchester Black going to Wonder Girl's apartment talking about how we got some intel, some people are going to try to break into Star Labs. And if they get to the sub-sub basement, they'll find the worst machines ever created and blah, blah, blah. But the only way to reach that is a nuclear blast. And immediately we see a fucking, like, uh, a mushroom cloud in the distance. Somehow the group, even though they were in the building, and Beast Boy, survived a goddamn nuclear blast. I don't get it. So it was was bad. I cannot get behind this new uh, series at all. Do you think that they will eventually cross over Batgirl with Teen Titans at all? Uh, probably not, because they're assholes. Yeah, probably. It just seems like it would... Uh, it, it, would sh- it would work fine, though. But then if they fine. went to Burnside, she went to New York, you know, Batgirl in New yeah. York, hashtags. Yeah. Fuck that nonsense. Well, and I know you, you hate this book now, but I guess in June I'm going to take it over from you, aren't I? Yeah, you're switching up in June. Yeah, and then it'll get real good. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That's what seems to happen with every goddamn book we John. Of course, I was going to read this today, and I didn't. So I can't right. give any sort of input whatsoever. And you know, it's like Scott Hepburn on art's not bad. It's just he has some really strange choices from, from like facial movements of the Titans mm. themselves. It looks like they're in the middle of a spasm when he decides to pencil them in. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's weird. But I gave this book a 5.5 out of 10, and... I don't know. That, that seems generous now that I've been talking about it. <laughs> well, I was look, I'm looking at the reviews, the the reviews, and yeah, they're from eight down to a four. So everybody has their issues. At least not the lowest. Something just went on my uh, my computer there. That was weird. Did you guys hear that? No. I had some crazy thing pop up. All right. Yeah, uh, that was weird. Uh, the one thing is a. People are reviewing it, so. Oh I yeah, guess... still new. It's an issue yeah. six. Yeah. I, I think issue ten will be like one or two more on the roundup. Uh, I mean, not more. I mean, at all together. Okay, I'm looking at the cover with old Manchester Black there. Manchester yeah. Black. Yeah, I actually thought he was like a lead singer in a band or something. I, I said he was like a time traveler and part of the subculture like of uh, punk in the England in yeah, 1970s. Yeah, yeah, like English punk. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh. So yeah, now I, everything's messed up on my notes here. All right, so next <laughs> book we have. Do it from uh, the heart, brother. Do it from yeah, the heart. Yeah, yeah, we have Green Lanterns, New Guardians, number thirty-eight. And now we're down to the last storyline. Yeah, yeah. Before it's, it's canceled in March. Yep. But Green Lantern, New Guardians, number thirty-eight, written by Justin Jordan and pencils by 
Theogenes Neves. Neves. Oh, God. These are people that we, like, idolize that we can't even say their fucking names. It's funny. What happens is is that we read the books and we kind of talk with each other, but we don't say the names out loud a lot of times. So when you actually go to read them, it it shocks you. Oh, God. There's a lot of names. Yeah, we butcher every name. Even like, the, even easy ones like Greg Pack, I would say. Or uh, isn't this by Justine Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, son of a bitch, you threw so, me off completely with that. So you Guy you like this book, right? Guy Gardner, I love Guy Gardner. He's not in this book, is he? No, he's not in this book. Oh, no, damn it. We're coming back into this one, a post Godhead world, and like uh, and like I liked in the Green Lantern, it's a little bit of downtime after that. Um, where Carol and Kyle finally get to have the talk. Yeah. You know, the, the talk that you never want to have with a significant other about, do you really love me? No. <laughs> and, and usually I start crying like a fucking <laughs> Didn't Carol talk to uh, to Hal last issue of Green Lantern about this whole thing too? Yeah. Oh, nice. It, it's like, it wasn't like, uh, one didn't have to do it with the other. It's like, if you no. clean your shit up and things don't work out with Kyle, we might have a chance later on. But here with Kyle, it's like, yeah, I, I never even thought about this either. It's that Kepharis, in order to use her power, she has to love. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a star sapphire, that's her deal. So is she just loving Kyle because she loves being a star sapphire? And I like the fact that Justin Jordan brought this up because I never would have thought about it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, and then we get to the issue where Kyle, does Kyle really love Carol or is it that he just hangs out with a bunch of blue dudes and she's the only woman in his universe? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's not a lot of ladies. No. So they have to deal with that, and eventually they get interrupted, thankfully, on Kyle, I think, because like, I don't want to deal with this shit no more. A giant fucking fireball comes down on Zamoran, and it's a it's a really big monster. It's dead, though, and they, they trace it back to this planet where the monster we saw in the beginning of the issue was terrorizing the folks, and they were evacuating, and then we saw it get sucked up by a black, like, uh, a black hole something with ooze and shit coming out of it. Hmm. <laughs> And this is a really cool part, in my opinion, because I think it's where we're starting to see that Future's End isn't a definite thing. Okay, because well, that's good. In- exactly. We get reintroduced to this character, say, Soren, who five years from now would end up fighting Kyle when he's like a god monster that wants to recreate the universe. And But here she is fighting off, like, you know, trying to save her people from this monster before it got sucked up in this hole. And she's ready to throw down with Kyle and Carol and because apparently this was a message. That's another thing. Fucking this giant fireball comes down to Zamora and Kyle's like, this is a message for me. I'm like, where the fuck did you come up with that idea? <laughs> it's a hell of a message. He's like, like he, he can't get anything done because he's too busy jumping to conclusions all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. But apparently it, he was right. This is a goddamn message he's, for him. That's, he's right. <laughs> um, the, 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 how am I going to put this? A dark version of himself that he created when he first got the uh, life equation okay. is now back. and It's named Oblivion. So it looks like a black suited uh kyle uh, rayner and with like this smoke monster powers from lost yeah i'm confused yeah it's it's a it's a dark version of kyle with smoke monster powers and you know that fucking venom teeth and tongue and he wants to kyle dead apparently because that's where we end on the issue but i i really dug this because of the the, the, like the downtime we had before it got all weird and this is this is a message meant for me shit yeah well this has kind of been the um the pattern with all the lantern books after godhead well, not right core. 
Yeah, what? Uh, it was into a goddamn uh, venture right away. Well, I was, yeah, yeah, you're right. I thought I mean, he kind of they wanted him to cool down a little, and he said he had to get back to the recruits. No, right? they John didn't even want to cool down. He was like, "Look, you're going to be a leader now, John." Yeah, I thought, away. To me, they were going to make him a leader, and then he could just sit around at a desk or something and yeah, that's put not his John feet Stewart. Up. That's what I thought. But what'd you give it? I gave this one an eight out of ten. I really dug it, and uh, you know, Diogenes Neves, whatever his fucking name is. He is an excellent awesome. fucking artist. I am an awful artist. He's a great artist, man. And I hope after the series ends, he gets on another book right away. Yeah. yeah. I, again, we've talked about it every podcast now that we do think that obviously they're going to come up with some other Lantern title. They better. And maybe they'll have a couple and maybe he'll just be on it. But yeah, Justin Jordan is gone Anyway, he was already off the book. Yeah, this is his last story arc. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't even know if he wanted to do this one, but he just had to finish out his run. Yeah, I, I don't know how things go if you're under contract for a certain thing or they just ask you and, you know, you don't want to burn bridges. Yeah. So, next up is Batman Eternal number 42 by my man Kyle Higgins and art <laughs> by Jed Darty, Goran Suzuka, and Roger Robbins, my man Kyle Higgins. Oh, you know I love Kyle Higgins. I was excited to see Kyle Higgins' yeah. name in the book. Uh, I was really excited. And last week, now see, I keep getting the weeks and months messed up, but yeah, last week uh, they finally got back to the nanovirus uh, storyline, which when the book started and that was introduced was probably my least favorite of yeah, all, the, all the storylines in Batman Eternal. But the problem is, is that it also involves my favorite characters. So, and now with Kyle Higgins doing it, they pretty much wrap it up, this issue. But the big thing about this issue is you finally get to see Harper as uh, Bluebird, which is awesome. I, I really liked it. I love the way that Kyle Higgins made her, at first I was worried that all of a sudden, you know, this girl is just going to all of a sudden start punching people. And, uh, well, remember way back when Batman punched her right in the face when uh, when he uh, he didn't want her to be a superhero. Well, she kind of – Kyle Higgins does a great job. Uh, at the Here at Weird Science, we, uh, we condone men punching yes, young girls. Yes, it was great. <laughs> Batman, right in the face. But I like the way how uh, that Kyle Higgins kind of introduces Harper's – "Quote unquote superpowers," where she's jumping between rooftops and then just falls right on her ass, <laughs> and she kind of like, oh man, like, she's definitely physically she's way over her head. Yeah, uh, she's a tech guru. She yeah, ain't but an athlete. that's the best thing. Then she can't even keep her pockets straight. No, no, that's that's great. <laughs> and what she what she does though, she uses her tech, which the main thing is to get the uh, the what am I saying? The breather that won't let the nanovirus affect her. And then when she finds where they are, goes in, Mad Hatter's controlling everyone, including Jason Todd, uh, Tim Drake, and Barbara Gordon, and and her brother Colin. And she gets in there, and then she basically tricks Mad Hatter into, you know, letting down his guard, knocks off his hat, and then puts the hat on. I really dug that look, too. Yeah, it was really good. I, I even put that the in. hat was like a really like it looked awesome for some yeah, reason. Yeah, and then basically that ended the whole nanovirus uh, arc there, our storyline. I'm I, calling shenanigans though. The fucking there was no like breather or whatever. It's like somehow her suit canceled out the nanotech. Yeah. And like, no, bullshit, bullshit. 
I like later when they call her on it, like, yeah, if you had this tech, why didn't you give it to us earlier? I think yeah, Tim says that. Assholes. Yeah, and she's like, eh. But uh, I also like that last issue I mentioned she that. took her ball and went home. Yeah, last issue I mentioned that I like when Tim had his little talk with her of, you don't want to get in this. Once you're in, once you're a superhero, there's no going back. That was the best part of last week's book. And I like this this week where she kind of calls him on it and says, listen, it's not up to you. I didn't do this for you or whatever. You know, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. Uh, and I really like that. Uh, I love Harper. I liked Harper Rowe from the very beginning when she was introduced, so I'm glad to see this. And I'm so so with her. Yeah, I, I really like her. What about you, Dan? I actually really do like the character. I'm yeah. excited to see that they're doing something good with her. The other part of the issue was Stephanie Brown, which we've got uh, – You know, actually, going into Batman Eternal. Now, Dan, you, you've read every issue of Eternal? No. Okay, but going into it, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I thought that I thought that Stephanie Brown was going to be such a major player. Well, it seemed and like the big draw of the book. It, it did. It seemed, and she's been in it, but it's such an odd way that they're in. She she's obviously spoiler, and her dad, the Clue Master, all this stuff, and it <laughs> and it ends up. You know, you see her now and again in, in this issue. Well, actually, last issue, uh, Killshot shows up and takes her down, says, I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to protect you. It's You're led to believe that it would be Selena Kyle who has done this. And yeah. in, the, in the meantime, it's not. She wakes up, and she is in her bed with her mother, which is very odd because <laughs> her mother at points during this whole series has been with her husband, Cluemaster, and they want to kill Stephanie. In fact, Cluemaster is who put out the hit on Stephanie, but all of a sudden it's this about-face turnaround where her mother is now concerned about her. And I just, I don't know. It just seemed odd. I was expecting the other shoe to fall, and it ended up being something weird, but it seems like it's all played for uh, straight up that, Stephanie's mom feels bad and just wants to protect her little girl. Uh, it seems odd, and it is odd to me, but it doesn't last very long because out of the blue, <laughs> Selena Kyle shows up herself, which is another thing that's odd because last issue it seemed like she had sent people out to, but maybe she didn't. I know she said she was going to take care of it. I probably assumed she was going to send people out. Uh, but she so goes, Selena takes care of shit on yeah, she her own, got, She did it on her own and knocks out Stephanie, which I, when I'm reading it, it kind of made me giggle because <laughs> Stephanie just keeps everything bad keeps happening to her. She <laughs> That's two issues in a row where basically she's knocked out. And again, I, I want more of spoiler. I want to see more of Stephanie Brown. But if this is leading directly to that Batman 28, which, like I said, if it's next week or the week after when we get to that, all she is is Selena has her tied up in a room. Well, that's, a, that's what it, this next issue should be exactly where Batman what 28 saying. is. It's, what's weird is I almost hope that it's not. Uh, if you know for certain it is, the only reason is because in that issue, Harper is, is already like seems full in with Batman. If you remember, he's like giving her orders and she's busting in. And it just seems too quick uh, for Batman to have her fully like in. But the that's, other... what I liked about, that's what I liked about this issue is where Batman's talking 
about it. He looks over at her. We're going to have to have a talk about That's this. That's what I'm saying, says to Tim. I did say that it was a very odd uh, cameo by Batman in this issue where he just shows <laughs> up and he yells at that, like, everything's taken care of. He shows up just a little too late just to yell at Mad Hatter to say, who's, who's really behind this? And <laughs> then he looks at Harper, looks, and then he leaves. It, it, you know, it's not like, hey, is everybody okay? Uh, what's going on? He just could bust in and then bust out. He doesn't care. But yeah, you would I, think with the way he goes through Robbins, he'd at least do a head count to make sure. Yeah, nobody yeah. Was it's down. like, okay, where's Jason? Okay, there he is. I'll back her off now. Now he just goes in, wonders who Harper is, gets the hell out, goes and does more Batman things. But yeah, it, it came off as a really odd way to just push the story forward because this issue ends that nanovirus story you have to have something to lead it into the next issue and it so he just showed up to do that 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 was all it was for me but yeah i love kyle higgins i i i did like the art though i mentioned in my review uh to me it seems like every time harper shows up she has a little bit of a different look and i don't know if it's because she's such a new character uh but it just to me it seems odd sometimes where you think you got a grip on what she looks like and then you see her at the end of this issue she had a little bit of a different look to me and uh, I don't know I, I it doesn't do it doesn't affect the score at all I just wonder you know who is the definitive look of Harper which artist is going to give well, I'm, I'm saying the definitive look though I, I think it would be based off of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo well, that's what I would think and that's the thing when she has her bluebird outfit on yeah pretty much across the board consistent it's when it's just her when she takes that mask off everybody has a little bit of a different look and i, I don't know maybe it's just me but it it kind of makes me just want to like man everybody has their little take they get this note and hey she's like a, a little emo girl who likes tech stuff and she has facial <laughs> piercing so go to it and, you know and then they all have their little deal like some of them have like a darker eyeshadow. like each of them has this idea of which emo look they want to go with and uh that's what they go with but yeah i gave it an eight five uh out of ten last issue i gave a nine which i was way above everybody else it seemed uh, I like this issue a lot. I didn't like it as much as last issue, but I do like the fact that we're finally wrapping up some of the storylines. There's been some dangling threads throughout this whole uh, run of Batman Eternal uh, to the point where it seemed like at the beginning they were just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck. And though, like I said, I didn't like the nanovirus bit uh, at all. At the beginning, I thought it was silly. I like it now. I like how it ended. I like I like now that it's over. Yeah, I like now that it's over. But I did these last two issues. Kyle Higgins really made me enjoy it. But again, I don't know if it's fully the storyline or it was that I like all the characters in it because I love Jason Todd in this book. I think he's great. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not a huge Tim Drake fan. And I know people love Tim Drake. You got to read them in the 90s. Man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge, but I liked him here. I like that he was actually almost he's he's kind of uh, Harper's mentor, which is kind of a funny thing to me. And Barbara just kind of in these last two issues, she's just been there to kind of take uh, lines from Jason. But I like that she was in it. It was the new look, Barbara, which I'm, yeah. you know, I like enough, but it was kind of weird. But I give it an eight, five out of ten and I enjoyed it. Oh. What do you boys think? You think one of those uh, new books after Convergence is going to be a Bluebird? 
I don't think I'm so. I'm kind of hoping. Yeah, I'd like it, but I, I don't think that she's big enough to have a book on her own. I, I could see her joining another book, like Teen Titans. I mean, yeah, I barring her getting killed at the end of this, which I'm hoping they wouldn't go with, yeah. I have oh. a feeling when Batman Eternal Year 2 wraps around... Yeah, yeah. I she's going to wind up being be, a central I, focus yeah, on that. Yeah, I think she'll be in that. Oh, yeah, I, I can see that. I don't think that they'd have a full-up book. And if they did, I I don't know. What would you think she'd be with uh, with Tim? But again, that's why I'm saying maybe Teen Titans only because they're really pushing her and Tim. Honestly, I'd just like to see a Bluebird year one to see her try to become a superhero. Yeah. I'd and like, like, like to stumble along the way kind of bit. But listen, I'd like that more than like a Clarion. Agreed. For sure. So DC has come up with some really odd picks of books. and that, so, Infinity Man and the Forever yeah, People. Yeah, a Bluebird book wouldn't be out of the question. I just don't know how well it would sell. It'd be an odd sale, uh, you know, just to try to get people who don't know anything about Eternal to even know who Bluebird is. But, hey, we're going on to another weekly uh, New 52 Futures End, number 38. Uh, written by Brian Rello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens, and Keith Giffen. <laughs> by Eddie McDonald. I am not enjoying this weekly book anymore. Yeah. Can you please make it go away? It's going to go away soon. Okay. And so that's there, the thing, see? though. I'm magical. I'll make it go away probably about the, around the last week of March. Yeah, but <laughs> that's the problem is make it's, it all, go it's all going to come together at once, though, for a really good story, maybe the last two issues, but I think we're just going to limp along and tell nonsense until them, and that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Because yeah. the draw for this week's issue was supposed to be where Batman, Batman Beyond, Tim Drake, they all come together and have to fight the Batman Joker monster from the future. That's sounds... And we get a start of a... It sounds awesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think, that's the, I think that's the Batman Joker monster. <laughs> I think that's actually a sign that the family's just getting home. Is, is that actually one dog? It sounds like that's one a, dog. It sounds like a pack of dogs. It's a little Bichon. Nice. It, I don't yeah, know. What it that sounds like there's like 15 dogs attacking each other. Isn't that a mustard? That Bichon mustard? You don't have a puppy kennel there, do you, Daniel? I actually don't have one nearby yeah. now. All right. <laughs> I thought maybe you had one in your bedroom, actually. No, I figure once my father walks in, uh, the dog will calm down a little bit because right. he'll sit with him for uh, a while. No, I don't mind. <laughs> All right, go on, Aaron. Well, the draw of the book was these like three bat, like well, Batman, Batman Beyond, and Tim Drake all getting together to fight the Batman Joker monster from the future, and it sounded awesome. That's what the uh, solicit said for the week, and it got everybody excited. And all we got was the start of a fight, and then nothing. And I was so disappointed. Yeah, I, I didn't read it. I, the, I, I'm trying to read all the books for the podcast. I opened this up, and I, I'm so far behind. I, I started reading, and at issue <laughs> six, I was already, my head was kind of spinning, and I, I stopped reading. Yeah, I, see, I read that. this one. You read it? I read this one, but I, I haven't read since, like, the first two or three issues. Yeah. So I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I, I tried as well, and I couldn't. I couldn't understand what was going on. I was just glad to see Terry McGinnis is still around. Yeah. yeah. So Eric. And that's the thing too. Andy McDonald, like every issue of Future's End so far, Batman Beyond has looked awesome. This issue, he looked awful. Yeah. And I could, I'm like, what are you doing to Batman Beyond? How can you make this badass character look this bad? And I hate talking bad about any kind of artist because I, I could never do what they do. But 
I, I could not get behind the art on this book at all. It's probably like the worst issue I've ever I, I saw. As a... uh, you broke up there. What did you say? I'm sorry. Um, it's probably the worst issue I've seen as of yet. Oh, really? Yeah, the rest of the book is usually awesome. All the art is great. But we had the Batman Beyond stuff where it just kind of died. It didn't go anywhere. And then we had the Firestorm stuff where, she, like, Madison Payne is now, like, Firestorm with Jason Rush. And they are they can't separate from one another. So they're trying to recreate uh, Dr. Yamazaki's experiment on the Justice League Tower to, uh, you know, separate themselves. They can't do it. So while they're trying to get this do like done and they're failing constantly, Stormguard and uh, Superman, who's actually Shazam, are down in Metropolis fighting Dr. Polaris. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they're getting their asses kicked. Shazam, uh, Superman's about to get the upper hand, though, and the Firestorm comes down, says, no, don't do that. Hey, uh, Dr. Polaris, you're right. The Justice League of America sucks. How about you come up to the uh, Justice League Tower and, uh, you know, I'll give you some of the technology. You separate us, okay? And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Stormguard and Superman just watched them fly away and they like didn't do a goddamn thing about it. And what'd you give it? Uh, I gave it a five out of ten. I'm not done yet, though. Oh, I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> what else happens? Uh, there's a bit with 50 Sue. Yeah, that didn't really do much. It was just them talking about what they're going to do with the DNA vault. And the whole issue, I was just waiting for a climax to each of these stories. And like every sexual partner I've ever had, I, they didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like all your, all through high school. And all through life, man. Come <laughs> yeah, on. really. It didn't just stop at high school. <laughs> I gave it a 5 <laughs> out of 10, though. It's just, it's awful. Week after week, it's just been getting awful and awful. Do you, so you're going to be happy when it ends? At this point, yeah. Initially, I love the series. Yeah. Like, anymore, it's... It, nothing's happening. You're waiting for something to happen. Every issue, and it never does. Now, you have this weekly, you read most of the Futures and Event books. When they just wipe everything clean, how pissed are you going to be? I'm not going to be pissed at all. I've been wanting that from the get-go. Well, this that's is an true. awful I'm, future. I'm just saying, are you going to be pissed that you put all this time and effort into oh, it? No, I, it's an adventure. I'm fine with that. I, I can. I like reading things like Elseworlds and whatnot. So yeah. this is just along those lines. All right. But the other ones, other Elseworlds are usually good. Oh, I mean, I, I think that people are still interested a bit in Future's End. But yeah, the numbers, I, I'm trying to think offhand, the numbers aren't spectacular. So I, I don't know do you, if they would consider Future's End to be a success. I mean, having a weekly book, I guess, you know, any numbers you get are, you know, times four. So it makes some money, but I don't know. I, I just, from hearing you tell me about it each week, it just, it just seems bad. It didn't used to be, though. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, this means like they ran out of story and they're just trying to get a little bit more out of it when it comes to the end. Yeah, it's weird that you, you would do that where, again, the whole thing, even even uh, Eternal at points seemed, you know, it has its ups and downs, but at least it always has something going on each week. But the way you tell me about this, like you said, just said, it seems like they've run out of story. It, it uh, reminds me a lot about the uh, the Matrix movies. Where... Oh, and also, I almost <laughs> forgot, too, the, hold on, hold on, I'll get into the Matrix in a second. But oh, no. <laughs> also, Frankenstein and, Frankenstein and Amethyst go to Castle Frankenstein, which was cool, but again, we just get there, and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Well, it, it just seems like 
like I, I was saying that they you have the Matrix who kicked ass, and then they had to come up with two more movies, and they kind of stretched it out. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, my next book is Batwoman number thirty-eight, written by Mark and Draco, and art by Juan Jose Reap. And it continues the Batwoman and the Unknown story, which a couple issues back, uh, it kind of had that cold opening where Batwoman, Clayface Ragman, Etrigan, and Red Alice were in space fighting Morgan Le Fay out of nowhere. Uh, and it was a real fun issue. I, I actually enjoyed it. I know a lot of people probably called bullcrap on it that, you know, what the hell is Batwoman doing? This is a book that really was a grounded superhero book where it was more about Batwoman and Kate Kane's relationships and her everyday life and how she was dealing with being a superhero than actually being a rip-roaring action star, which all of a sudden she's become. And I know, probably aware that Batwoman was canceled. Uh, it's ending in March. So giving that intro... Um, issue where she's in space and then going back we're seeing what leads up to that issue and it's been okay this issue i like everything about her and the unknowns in it i like it starts off with her and etrigan crashing into a building where also ragman's crashing in and morgan lefay is rising from the what appears to be the carcass of clayface and i thought that that was just that's it's fun i really enjoyed that i thought that Juan Jose Reap's art from the get-go was awesome. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I really dug it. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I don't remember any uh, thing that I've read with him on art before, and I really enjoyed it. The problem I is, think you'd remember that name. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And um, the problem is with the issue is that I hated everything else about it, except that that fun unknown stuff. And what I mean is. She goes and sees Maggie, who was the her girlfriend slash fiance slash would have married her if DC would have allowed it, and that kind of led into Mark and Draco's uh, getting on the book. The old J.H. Uh, Williams the third left the book. Mark and Draco came on, and since he's been on, I kind of have defended him over and over, where. I thought he had to do something to make it his own story, but he has completely destroyed everything that made this book good before he came on. And this issue, he just he just blows it up. Uh, Kate goes and sees Maggie, start, and it's 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 really bad scene. Now, Eric, you read it, right? I had a good time with this yeah, book actually. Yeah, I, that scene. She goes and sees her, and it's just just awfulness because the. The issue is is that the reason why Kate left Maggie originally was because Maggie's ex-husband was going to take her daughter from her unless Kate left. He didn't like the right. whole lesbian thing. And now it has just come down to, oh, you just went with Nocturna. You're a cheater. You did this. I don't understand you. I don't, I don't know what's become of you. And it, it, to me, it was just awful. And I understood it completely, though. Don't. What do you think? Like, if you have an ex like that and you're pissed off that you broke up, you're going to be jealous like this when they get with somebody yeah, that they. It's, it's, it just, I don't know. It just, it came off as, it came off to me as just like, here we go. We're ending this story. We have to have them completely hate each other so that it can end with them apart. Here you go. This is what happened. Uh, I just, I didn't like it. Uh, reading the 
past issues this just it just came off bad to me well that's the thing i don't have a lot of like you know knowledge with uh maggie and kate because yeah, i yeah. didn't read all the Batgirl, uh batwomans but uh as when i was reading this it seemed like a legitimate argument yeah. of something to be pissed about yeah it just i don't know it just rubbed me the wrong way but then she goes off and she gets visitors she goes to see nocturna and then we have another pretty much extreme lesbian scene in the makings oh my god it was awesome yeah yeah like you said it was dude, just it was like embrace the vampire it was just like embracing the vampire yeah, but i have so many fun memories of that movie from when i was a kid yeah i, I just, by myself again it just seemed over you get my trip oh i'm i'm trying to ignore you uh it just came off listen as to too, me too over the top for me and then the book ends with uh red alice who is kate's sister showing up and she is the last piece of the unknowns and we have two issues to go and they're going to go into space and fight morgan Le Fay. so the big thing will be to see how they get into space and then what happens but it was I, so weird to me though because um i looked i saw the preview of that initial one where they're in space mm -hmm. i didn't read the book but i read this one and all myself is what the hell's going on why, why aren't they in space yeah i know i know it was... and then I, then I realized halfway through that i'm a fucking idiot and this is that was a goddamn uh, God, fast forward yep you you just realized that i haven't been reading the book no i mean that you're an idiot oh. <laughs> yeah. um, all right I, like i said i gave it a 5.5 yeah, out of 10 it. i yes i i didn't I didn't love it. I really liked Juan Jose Rip's art, so that pushed it up. But uh, I'd have so given it a seven five. You would have. Well, yeah, seven five out of ten. Yeah, I gave it a five point five. And again, I'm one of the highest ones. But yeah, I know it's crazy. People, I'll I'll say this that since Mark and Jacob took over the book, people have really really wanted to dump on him about this book and i think there's a lot of people one in particular that i won't mention that just every every issue i don't even know if this person really reads it but they have already decided to hate it and um that's what they call hate for hate's sake eric we will be right back hi you know i wasn't born a dancer i learned to do it with a lot of help and with my help you can learn too are you ready for the sex girls? The hot, hot, lean, hot, big, hot girls. Are you ready for the sex girls? The right, right, ultra vital, nice, nice girls. They play pool in your house and take off their old clothes. They can talk about lookers and know where it goes. They are women without any faults. We now return to your regular programming. Now you have Earth 2, World's End, number 16, written by Daniel H. Wilson, Marguerite Bennett, uh, Benet, I think it is actually. Goddamn names, Daniel. But, uh, <laughs> and Mike Johnson, and too many artists, so I don't want to get into it. This fucking book is riddled with artists, and there's no way I'm naming all of them. I'm sorry if you're an artist, but don't do that to a book, or to me, because I'm very selfish that way. But this book, we have, uh, we start out with the Red uh, Avatar finally being freed by the Batman-Superman heroes from the clone labyrinth of Desaad. And you know what happens with that? Not a goddamn thing. The freaking Avatar takes off, is supposed to join the fight the Avatars are having with the Furies of Apocalypse, and we see her bust through, and she's there at the fight, but then we don't see her the rest of the fucking issue. Completely gone. So... And when she busts through, too, she almost kills the Batman-Superman heroes by causing a uh, cave-in. 
And so they have to get out right away. And uh, Superman's dead. They have to go and uh, bury him. And Red Tornado comes up to, uh, to Power Girl and says, you should wear this shield. It was always meant for you. And just like magic, the goddamn thing fuses to her chest like some, some being from beyond shouting over your tits. Finally, we get to cover her tits up, and she is wearing the Superman shield. And I don't know. People are going to say that it's some kind of Kryptonian fabric or whatever. I, I don't get how the hell a goddamn fabric just fuses with another piece of fabric like that. And they don't – no explanation. None at all. It's just there and to cover the tits. Just there to cover the tits. And we're – I guess we're supposed to be okay with that. I, I'm, um, I kind of have mixed feelings, but <laughs> – I might be okay with it. Uh, you know, What's that? You don't like the boobies? No, I well, I you know, I like them covered sometimes. <laughs> All right. But uh <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know where I'm going with that. So anyway, after she gets the, the shield to cover her tits up, the uh, Superman Batman heroes make their way to join the fight with the avatars against the Furies. And even though when we first got introduced to the Furies, one of them kicked all of their asses, now they come in and kill they they just take them out uh, right away. Even though the Avatars have been fighting their asses off, the Superman and Batman co- heroes come in and save the day, which seems like complete bullshit climax of the story because we've been dealing with it forever now. I, I don't get it. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of it? Well, <laughs> well, at the end, though, the, la- the last Fury left is Death, who's been pregnant with Darkseid's baby the whole time. And she's like, I give up, I give up. But she doesn't this giant claw to rip out of her fucking belly. And it's the worst C-section you've ever seen in your life. So, and that's where that's our issue is. Yeah. Now, I gave it a 4 out of 10. And that that's really kind of pisses me off a little. Because this is the strongest arc this book has ever had, too. Really? Yeah. It, the, the art looks amazing. It, you can't even tell that there's a shit ton of uh, artists on this book. Yeah, that's true. They're, they list at least, what, 50 artists? There's well, that's so why, I, that's why there. I refuse to name all the artists. On yeah, this. yeah. Uh, now the weird thing um, about this book to me is just it. Nobody seems to review it. Uh, nobody cares about it. It seems uh, that's what I get. Um, yeah, it seems like it. Though it's one of the most popular reviews on our site, and I can't, I can't possibly think that has anything to do with your writing. Oh, why are you gonna hurt me? Uh, so you know, you know what I'm saying. It, it's an odd book because. It it's uh, it's definitely the the least favorite of the three um, weeklies, correct? Yeah, definitely. Like like it's actually has the opposite. It has the opposite feel of Future Zen, where as Future Zen seems like they have a lot of like uh, not a lot of story to tell, but they can stretch it out. This seems like they have to hurry up and get to it as well, fast they, as they can. They better hurry up because I believe that when this ends, it's going to really affect uh, convergence. I, if you ask me, of all the three weeklies, to me this one should be the most important one when all is said and done for what's what i think is happening and what's going to go on but yet it's the one that nobody seems to care about and it's because it's awful well and again it it has affected earth 2 as well which is one of your favorite books and last year it was my top pick for it was my book of the year yeah and now it's just become world's end's bitch yeah you said that over and over it's awful like yeah, uh, it makes me so angry. So not only does the book suck each week, but it's ruined your favorite monthly book. Yeah, I can't fucking win. It's what yeah, happens. Yeah. I'm so angry about this. Yeah, it sucks. But what'd you give it? 
Uh, four out of ten. Okay, yeah, that's not a good score. <laughs> and uh, next up, I have Supergirl number 38, written by Kay Perkins and Mike Johnson, with art by Manuela Lapacino. And, yeah, I, I took this book over from you, Eric, when this Crucible story started, because basically I said it sounded like it'd be like Breakfast Club in space. Which and I know that sounds awesome. And the worst part is, is you're more of a fan of Breakfast Club than me. But I, yeah. I said oh, I'll take it. You said it sounded a little goofy, and it's turned into very much not what I thought it was going to be. Um, well, it's funny to me though because we, I didn't really look ahead on the, like the solicits when we decided to trade. I just knew I was super grown out because of the Red Daughter of Krypton. Yeah, yeah. Then it went into the Doom storyline, and I didn't read the Doom storyline, so you read you did the issues that tied into that. Yep. So I was like, why don't you just keep it? I just one thing from you. And then I found out about this, and I got really pissed off. Yeah, because I took it over, and it's really it was really good. And this issue, I don't know, this issue was a little bit of a downer for me compared to the recent ones, but I still liked it. I gave it a seven. Uh, the one big thing is you get Superboy. In here, which he is fully back. Uh, it starts off where he is at a uh, a cosplay con, a comic con in, the, the in Rome. Rome. What's that? The comic con in Rome. Yeah, it's the Roma con. It says Roma con. Yeah. So you start with that, and it, it's a pretty cool thing. Where again, it, it's a funny thing that they did with Harley at the uh, comic con. A uh, couple of, where you get a superhero involved with a lot of cosplay superheroes. And it always makes me laugh. And if you remember <laughs> Harley, it got a little crazy with her and a bunch of jokers. Crazy, sexy, cool. Yeah, it was a little over the top there. But with Superboy, it's more of an, a way that he can be himself and not be called on it. So he's been – a lot of people have questioned what Superboy's been doing. And it seems like he's just been roaming around like uh, – Kane and Kung Fu. No, they actually said in the book that he's been at a monastery. Yeah, for yeah, all this well, that's time. what I'm, I'm saying. Like, he's been kind of hanging out and, you yeah, know, meditating. Just a throwaway line here. This is where he's been. Don't yep, worry about yeah, it. Yeah, so, it, and again, I, I'm sure people will call foul on that. That, uh, oh, that's all he's been doing. But yeah, that's <laughs> what he's been doing. So you see him there. And the, the best part of the issue for me was that he is at the Comic Con and he's walking around. He's got a copy of Justice League 3000. That he's holding, which to me is just, it's hilarious. And uh, I actually saw some people kind of cry bullshit on that, that why would he have a new 52 book? And I, I think it's all for fun. And of course, Justice League awful. 3000 is is the often the future book, and it's a goofy book. But the worst part of it is, is that I tweeted about it when I, I read the issue. And I hate to admit it, but I do believe I read it at work. And uh, so I saw that, and I thought, oh, I man. I don't hate to admit that. Man, yeah, I, like, I got I to gotta send this to uh, J.M.D. Mateus and Howard Porter from Just League 3000. And I tweeted them, hey, I guess Superboy's a fan of your book. And it got a little play. They both kind of commented. Somebody took over the tweet and made it their own. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, I went to review the issue that night, and I forgot all about that. I didn't mention it in the review. My whole big thing that I had set up, and I was so proud of myself, and I forgot to mention it. So, I was proud I had eyes. Uh, I, was, I was so proud. But in the issue, uh, last issue, you started where Kara and the rest of her kind of best friend classmates head off on what is probably the worst school trip ever, 
where they go to uh, the beast guy <laughs> Savo's planet to stop a insurrection that is being brought about by his brother. And when this was going on, you find out that his brother was a former student at the Crucible and was expelled for probably extreme measures by not being a good guy. And their whole thing is they want to take over the universe and destroy Crucible. So you got that whole thing. Well, they're fighting. They're going at it. And they teleport away. And when they go to follow them, they end up on Earth. And you find out immediately that these students, these bad students, are there to get Superboy. So there they are. And the whole thing with Superboy, I'm not a weapon. I'm, I'm not that. He doesn't want to be that. But here he is again. He's being stuck and thrown into this where everybody wants him to be their weapon. So they, they're fighting the group still. And at the end... You get the idea. Kara finds out that basically what you've known all along, these people at this crucible are not exactly what they claim to be. They're not, quote-unquote, good guys. And they have had a plan to get Superboy all along, which we've seen in a couple issues back where they were talking about getting the clone and is Kara going to be upset about it? Well, now you find out that Maxima, who I took as the bitchy girl who becomes Kara's <laughs> best friend if this was an 80s movie, is actually in on it, and she is there only to get Superboy, uh, no matter what. Does that what. make uh, Kara the basket case? I believe she is, yes. Kara <laughs> is the basket case. Maybe we'll switch it around and Kara is the jock. I don't, I don't like it. She's no, not you Emilio. Don't like that. You don't, no, you don't I don't think Emilio a... Well, how tall do you think Kara is? Because Emilio was a short fella. I don't think that Emilio's shorter. Yeah, I <laughs> think Emilio's shorter than Kara. But, He's a little, little guy. Yeah, he is. He's like two foot three. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, but I gave it a seven out of ten. Like I said, it wasn't the strongest issue. In fact, I think this was probably my worst rated issue since uh, Kay Perkins and Mike Johnson have taken over the book. And by the way, I can't stand that the lady's name is Kay Perkins, but it's K period Perkins. Drives me nuts. I just don't like it. I don't like it. But I, I love the art in it. I think the art is good. Again, though, Probably the worst issue that this Emanuele Lupacino has done in the series, and it still looked great. But, Actually, I, I really like the art on yeah, this book, yeah. but I couldn't get behind it. Yeah, I'm telling you that the last couple issues have been really, really good. This one was good, but not as good as the others. But I, I like I said, I really liked it. Seven out of ten. It's a little low for me, but it's, it's um, kind of it's kind of funny to me though. As you were describing the book, mm-hmm. all I could like all I kept seeing in my mind. You take away the aliens and the space part of it, it's like. It's an early 90s direct-to-video movie. Yeah. It's like, on a field trip gone wrong, yeah, these fi- girls are going to have to fight for their lives to make it home. He doesn't want to be a human weapon. <laughs> but they're getting him. He's locked and loaded. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I'd watch that movie. I don't know. What what, what would you call it? Uh, oh, God damn it. I don't have anything off the top actually, of my head. Actually, it'd just be actually The Crucible Part 3. Field trip. Field trip. Seven. Yes. Actually, uh, Crucible Part Two. Electric Electric Boogaloo. Yes. All right. Now we have one last book and another one that's been canceled, and one that you are not too fond of. Trinity of Sin Number Four. 
Trinity of Sin number four, written by J.M.D. Mateus and pencils by Yvelle Gouchet. I'm saying that's how excited. Um, this book is such a disappointment to me because I love all of these characters, and this is one of the boringest books I've read in a long, long time. Like series, I mean, each issue is boring as hell, and it shouldn't be with these characters. I I don't think so, at least. Damn. And you didn't read any of this? I did not read Trinity of Sin. No. Um, I don't know. I I I always look at it. I like the art. Uh, oh, the art. When, when the I art's see it, great. yeah. But again, you're talking about not just you know you could say oh it's a number four, but I didn't read Phantom Stranger. I didn't read Pandora. Right. I have no real like or love for the question. So it, it's basically well, that's the problem. You don't know anything about him here, and J, uh, D. Mateus is doing anything about it. No, just and I, letting him take mysterious. I think that. I think that the problem with this book is basically, unfortunately, most people are probably in the same boat I am, that these characters, there's, again, Phantom Stranger, great character, correct? Awesome, I love him. But seeing him on the cover of a book, I don't think will draw that many people in. I don't, Pandora, uh, if anybody read Pandora, I don't think that that book coming into this is going to get many people to be oh god i gotta read this book and like you said if you like the question and go into it from what you told me you're gonna be disappointed very disappointed yeah. the question's just a dick and that's all we get to know is he's a dick when the trinity is sin yeah and the whole the whole point the whole half of this issue uh, like going back and forth throughout is that pandora and phantom changer like like keep arguing whether or not they should trust the question because he betrayed them right uh, at the end of last issue mm-hmm. and uh phantom stranger goes to kill him pandora saves like we we don't need him. Yes, we do. This goes on over and over, and I was just getting so upset. And then, like, the whole point of this, though, is they're trying to find this box of redemption so they can change the world back as this ancient bird god Nimha changed the world to all the darkness, mutated all the people to be, like, the, the people that used to be there when he, like, ruled the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just an overcomplicated plot. It's, like, dialogue everywhere. Fucking inner monologues everywhere. And... It doesn't do anything. And it's like you spend the whole book reading, then you're wondering, well, just get on with it then. Stop talking about it. Yeah, uh, especially I, since it's only going to have a couple more issues. Yeah, um, I, got three, I got two more issues now, and I, I have no idea how this book's going to end, except that they're going to save the world, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole point is they, they go in and get this redemption box, and Pandora was right all along. They, have, they need a question because all three of them have to grab this box. And then Nimrod uses his power. All these swarms of uh, like monsters come in, and they're getting the shit kicked out of them. And they have to use the Red Rover method to grab a hold of it, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, where they yeah. have to grab a hold of each other's hands and finally grab a hold of it. And you know what that does? <laughs> I it hate sucks. this. There's <laughs> not a shining light that dispels all the dark storm. They get sucked in. And when we leave this issue, we see that somehow inside this uh, redemption box, the question, Pandora, and Phantom Stranger are crucified. Hmm. Yep, crucified. Crucified. That sounds I'm, that sounds great. I'm saying, well, actually, I was thinking about this. Is it crucified when you don't have a cross? Well, I mean, yeah. If you're, uh, how are they? Are they just in air? No, they're strung up on these stones, but the stones kind of go to like a Almost point kind of deal, like a marionette type thing. No, no, like they're actually like strung up to these rocks. Okay. Yeah. But they're like they're like crucified, but there's no cross. I just was I was curious as I was writing the review. <laughs> it was, uh, we'll go with it. 
I don't know the exact definition of I I would think that probably what's happened is they aren't crucified, but to say they are kind of gets the visual of what they I don't know what I'm saying. What oh, I'm saying they're crucified. is they're crucified. We'll go with that. Yeah, but this the book looks great. That's the problem. It, like if when I was a kid, I used to like go through the comic book shop and I would pick up a book as long as I thought the art was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I think the art of this book looks great. But it, it, doesn't, it does look great. It doesn't get me anywhere near buying it or reading it. I'm telling you, if I didn't review this book, I wouldn't read it. Yeah, that, I, there's a lot of I can't of those. recommend this to anybody. Yeah, yeah. But what'd you give it? Five out of ten. Yeah, that's and that's purely for the art. Yeah. You know what's weird um, with our reviews is I'll tend to give some tens, which you will never do. Ever. But you rarely go under a four, which, which I do a lot. So, yeah, I'm yeah. like the extreme. I go real high and real low. You keep uh, telling yourself that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're kind of in between. Damn right I am. You're a betweener. But, yeah, that's so <laughs> – yes, right. So – what is your general gut feeling about this past week? Well, going into this week, I thought it was going to be a lot stronger than last week, but then I started doing the numbers. Yeah. And yeah. all my reviews put together is a 6.4. Yeah, that's It's bad. for the whole week of out of eight books. Yep. And so it's a D. It's yeah, just a yeah. fucking solid yeah. D. Yeah, that's week. pretty bad. What was mine? I want to say yours was a 7.4. I, I did the math. I don't remember what it was now, but I think it was a 7.4. And which again, I'm telling you with with me and your reviews, I would say that me and you have a plus or minus one kind of going where a lot of times, just in general, like all in all, since we started, your total average is what, a 7.2? Yeah, 7 two. And mine's a 7.5. So, but again, I go very extreme up and down. And the thing about it is, it's funny you say mine's a seven two or seven three this week. It, to me, it didn't seem that strong to me. But again, if everything's a you know in between there in the middle, it's it doesn't really get you. I'd a good hate to week. think of what it was if I, I didn't give that Red Hood to nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going, going in, it just seemed like such a strong. We had Batman and Robin, Justice League, like uh, yeah. Red Hood. And the outlaws, the guy I get excited for, but New Guardians, I used to love, you yeah. know. Well, it's, just, it's weird. Look, shit. I'm looking back at mine, and I guess Batman Superman was my top one, and that was just an 8-7. And that's, yeah. you know, I usually have, you know, a couple 9s, a 9-8 thrown in there, a 9-6. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this week wasn't that great, but uh, I have a list of what we'll be doing next week, and there are a lot of books. Yeah, we both have ten, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a long one. Uh, we have I have Aquaman number thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't even think no, I, I said that. I'm going to have a I, long I, no, one. No, not even that. I just realized uh, my girlfriend's birthday is on Wednesday this week. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's going to fuck me out of reviews. I know no. it. No. Yeah, at least you don't eat uh, Little Caesars, and that's what screws me up out of reviews. I was actually going to mention. I was actually going to mention. I thought this week too. Uh, anytime that anybody who comes to our site uh, reads a review of mine, they should check. And if anything is posted past nine p.m., I, I don't even don't consider it me writing it. I, I was thinking. I am so. I get so tired, but I think I've got to put up a review. And I'm not saying that I, I would score it any different. But man, 
there's sometimes I write after nine, I read it the next day and I have no idea what I wrote. I was like, <laughs> I, I said, it's almost like I'm a Stefan or Kel after nine, 9 PM. <laughs> I, I just, all of a sudden I'm this crazy guy, but yeah, I think it was Supergirl. When I read it this week, I did that late. Uh, I actually fell asleep and woke up and did that. And man, that was, it, it didn't sound like me at all. But again, if you don't, do any reviews on Wednesday, that means I'm going to have to do more than my usual one review. <laughs> and you're really putting me on the spot there. I usually like to do three to four. That means that I have to stay up late. And you know well, I we'll don't... see how it plays out because I could I could stay home and uh, do the reviews, but then you I'll might... have to face, face the wrath then. Yeah, I don't know that you're going to want to do that. Maybe I'll just have to, uh, you know... Buck it up and, and review two books on Wednesday. Well, we always I think say, I have a Vertigo book this week. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. Uh, I think this is the week where that one about the uh, killer comes out. Yep, yep. I think Excellent. Get on the trolley, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Wednesday, we, we always go on about, like, we really want a Wednesday where we do every book and see just how it goes, see if things get a little more play. Uh, because as we do reviews and when we look at the numbers coming in on them, we have some weird... Uh, numbers. There's books that we consider awful, like a World's End that does real well on our site, and then you have a book like Batman that doesn't do well at all. And... So I'm saying though, that's because everybody's reviewing yeah, Batman, I know, not everybody's I know. reviewing World's End. But again, we always want to know. Like, say this week we have 20 books that are coming out. Yeah. If we could get all 20 done on Wednesday just to see what would happen. But yeah, I, I say this, I'd say it to Eric on Wednesday, man, I'm going to do three reviews. I have it written down my whole schedule that <laughs> night. I, that night I do one review. So <laughs> yeah, I, I always have some issues. I don't even listen to you anymore when you say that. Yeah. I try to convince myself, but uh, I think Thursday's my strong day. Actually, what, two? Actually, yeah, actually, actually, if if I went by reviews, I really think that Wednesday, because of just the hype of the books coming out and all that, I tend to like my Thursday reviews a lot better. For some reason, I I seem to be able to grasp a, a better voice in my reviews on on Thursday than Wednesday, and that's what I'm going with, and that's why I only do one <laughs> review on Wednesday. So, but. Next week, again, like I said, I started the list, but we have Aquaman number 38, Arkham Manor number 4, Batman number 38, Batman Eternal 43, Catwoman 38, Deathstroke number 4, Earth 2 Worlds End number 17, Gotham Academy number 4, Gotham by Midnight number 3, Harley Quinn 14, He-Man the Eternity War number 2, Infinity Man and the Forever People number 7, Justice League Dark number 38, Multiversity Guidebook number one, which is going to be very odd to review, I think. I know you're doing that, right, Eric? Yeah, I'm doing that. I are, have you no actually, idea are you actually going to review it? I, I guess. I, I have no idea how I'm going to go about it. It just Explain seems it weird. weird this week. It seems very odd to review. But then you have Red Lanterns number 38, Secret Origins number nine, which uh, is Swamp Thing. Who else? John Swamp Stewart. Thing, John Stewart and... Why do I uh, want to say Power, Power Girl? Girl. Yeah, it's that's Power what I Girl. thought it was. So that's your book. And I don't know, yeah. Daniel, that's a book that me and Eric, uh, each month when we see the solicit, when the solicits come out, we pray that it's not a majority of our characters because uh, both of us hate reviewing that book. But <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, it's, it's long and it's awful. Yeah, yeah. Then you have Sinestro number nine, 
Uh, I have Star Spangled War Stories G.I. Zombie number six, so I better do Star Spangled War Stories G.I. Zombie number five by Wednesday because I haven't <laughs> done that. Uh, that's uh, still hanging around from uh, December 24th. Uh, the Flash number 38 and the new 52 Futures and number 39. So, yeah. I, say next, I say this year Christmas is canceled because that really fucked up our reviews last yeah, month. Yeah, it did. I, we got real lazy, too, at the end of last month. So you still have a bunch from that. And I saw on, the, really site, on the site you got called out on it, too. <laughs> oh, I'm just now uh, almost catching up for my holiday. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, I'm, I'm saying it wasn't even the holiday. I just got lazy. And, I got fat and lazy, man. Yeah, that the twenty fourth. There was just so many books that came out, and it was just an odd, odd thing for them to come out. But I still have GI Zombie. Any of those uh, books we mentioned you were actually reading next week, Daniel? Do you read any of those? Uh, I do have them. I haven't read any of them yet, okay. but I'm probably going to try and jump on most of those. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't keep adding to my backlog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you read Gotham Academy yet? Not yet. It's really good. Uh, that's actually of all those books and there's uh, some pretty major books that i have next week and i think i'm looking forward to gotham academy the most which i'm talking that's above batman uh catwoman deathstroke yeah i love gotham academy i'm not a fan yeah i know that's why i review it (laughs) but yeah and then uh we had talked we're gonna mix up some books in june because of us kind of, you know, books get stale and things like that. So yeah. we're going to mix that up and and whatnot. But I think that's it for today and this week. But All right. uh, thanks for coming on, Dan. Anytime. Yeah, no. Thanks uh, a lot. It, we'll probably just make it a regular thing if that's what you want. That's good. Uh, I'm going to have to see how my schedule works out. Yeah, I know. it's. it's I got tough. really lucky this week. Yeah, well, it was good we had you on. You want to... You wanna say uh your site um yeah i'd actually like to close out by saying that if you want to find me uh, i'm at 1138geekconfessions.wordpress.com mm. or in the sidebar on the site it's actually listed as confessions of a jersey geek mm-hmm. yeah. and i just wanted to close out by saying i have not seen the shawshank redemption either. no see see eric <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you people nobody is, it's, <laughs> it's too a long a movie guys <laughs> are you with me dan you go to watch I'm that with movie you on that and one. it's like three hours and then the next time you look, it's like five hours. It's, it's the ever-expanding movie. That's actually why I haven't watched the Godfather movies yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, you, my God. Well, you have to realize with Eric, with our big joke is that, that time just stops in his house because we'll come in a day and he'll have done three reviews, watched four movies, two TV shows, and I, it's impossible. It just doesn't happen now. <laughs> Again, I mentioned at one point we took a break, and I did mention to you that Eric's uh, – track record at work as attendance goes is a little down so maybe that's why he uh gets time you're uh, what's that you're a free spirit huh <laughs> uh-huh. yeah every day i wait from the show up and i just most days i'm just left hanging most days get the fuck out of here and he comes you have to realize he also wears a, a headband and an eye patch Jesus Christ. My eye was fucked up one You wear an eye patch, you're stuck with the rest of your life. I don't know. I, I like the eye patch. But he does wear a headband each day. Yes, I do. Yes, Rocking the headband. Does. Yes, he does. But, yeah, that's it for this week, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed having both of you. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I like, to have an, <laughs> I like talking to you guys about comics. Yeah. I guess that's it. See you later. See you.